back everybody i'm scott and i'm Brittany. and this is the film cafeteria and today we are doing our treasure hunt for october yes the entire conception around this was that we wanted to do a, a good seasonal october episode yeah and a kind of offbeat one because yeah. some of the things that like some of the movies and stuff that we're going to be talking about is really offbeat movies they're not really the typical like holiday or like like seasonal films that you yeah. typically watch so i i think we're off like it's offbeat as well but that's why i call it the treasure hunt because they're kind of like so it's a hard thing to find yeah, this. it's hard to find like yeah. really amazing tonally yeah. set like set during autumn or the has, has like a tone like an autumn tone to it yeah or a, even about autumn. yeah it, you know how like there's christmas movies there's yeah. thanksgiving even thanksgiving was kind of hard to find sometimes a lot of times yeah because usually they kind of include thanksgiving and christmas all, almost all together sometimes with a yeah. lot of holidays or they just get right over thanksgiving so yeah. like <laughs> and, and that was the thing that i thought was like a really really interesting thing because we did our horror episode yes and I, that that was like kind of what spurred this on was because I did not want to really have to rewatch or watch any more horror movies. I was yeah. so over it. And then we started talking about doing this. Yeah. And then it just wound up kind of growing to where we watched a lot of different things to try and make this list work. Yeah. Because you realize very quickly this is an extremely hard list. Yeah. To pull together because you're you're essentially sequestering to sports movies. Yeah, a lot of sports movies. And that's kind of and a lot of inspirational movies as well so like the direction we ended up falling in was it was mostly kind of inspirational movies to some yeah, degree, degree or another yeah but they were movies that often had a lot of romance mm -hmm. a lot of family dynamic mm -hmm. kind of stuff that was going on or mm -hmm. had something going on involving school or something like that yeah so it was kind of interesting because yeah. you realize like you know, you can go down the road of something like Love Story, which is would have been an interesting conversation, but kind of a little meh. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, Ozu made a couple of very, I think they're amazing, but they are very kind of still Japanese <laughs> movies about autumn. Yeah. But like, yeah, this was actually really, really hard to figure this out. Yeah, it was. Because like I said, we end up having to find a lot of like offbeat did like movies that you would never even think about and i think that's why it's we've named it the treasure hunt for october because we were thinking about just seasonal kind of autumn like movies going into thanksgiving and it ended up being a real true treasure hunt for like really good movies yeah. and, and honestly they were really hard to find but we end up just choosing some because they were just so difficult to do but we also wanted to keep the theme going so we yeah. decided to still of course do this episode treasure hunt for october but it was really hard to find like deep like autumn yeah. and thanksgiving movies yeah so and of course like one of the things that does make this very interesting is that the the obvious thing to go to for like fall and autumn is yes. horror yeah and we even you know even thinking about thanksgiving we just had Thanksgiving by Eli Roth release that yeah. is a horror movie. Yeah. It is extremely hard to find. And usually that's what a lot of September and October movies are too. Yeah. They're full of like horror, but we yeah. wanted to be 
We want to go offbeat a little bit, so this yeah. is why we call it the Treasure Hunt October. And it's really, really interesting when you look at it that most of the movies that get pushed really hard around this time, I would consider to be Christmas movies. Yeah, it is. They're, you know, it's like even... Or just holiday-oriented or in general. even just like a holiday tone. tone you know, I mean, like, yes. I, one of the funny things I thought was that when I looked up, you know, just like the stupid Google search, you yeah. know, like fall movies, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you get like the first thing you get is the movie called The Fall. And yeah. you're just like, no, like, <laughs> then you type in autumn movies, autumn movies list. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you just have nothing to go off of. You're like, let me just start by just typing in the most base thing that I can yes. come up with. Because like, really... I would say, too, if you don't know what you're exactly looking for and you just need to do like a general search, that's what you should go to. Because like I said, we weren't even doing, usually in October and around this time, there's a lot of horror films. And we chose not to do that this year. Yeah. And what I thought was maybe the most interesting is that when I looked that up, the immediate things that came up were... One of the movies that we have on this list, yeah. which was When Harry Met Sally, yes. that always comes up, mm-hmm. which is interesting because then we'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah. then the next thing that comes up is like all the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah. That and is, but that's still more holiday too. It, it, that's what I was about to say. But is it is they, autumn because it's a lot of it take place um, throughout the school year, but it always starts it always off starts in, autumn. in autumn where they're yeah. starting school. But it's like whenever you watch those films, they do have a very deep Christmas kind of oh, feel yeah. to them. Today. It's one like, like almost every every I think almost every one deals with Christmas at some yeah. point of view where kids go out for the holiday or you see the trees, you see Yeah. So at some point they all deal with kind of like that thing. And so it's like because of that, I I, I looked at those and I was like, those don't count. Yeah. <laughs> and then kind of the next thing that started coming up was like a Christmas story. Yeah. And I was like, so what are the and you realize that there is, especially within American cinema, a, an enormous kind of like just vast cavern of emptiness of, <laughs> of movies about the fall because we immediately jump into it's time to start selling holiday movies yeah the second that thanksgiving yeah. is around the corner yeah and it makes sense because you're all with your family so yeah. it's the first time that you can really push oh like let's put out family movies yeah and people because, will actually sit down and watch it together so. yeah and people and then you know thanksgiving you can actually coax people into leaving the house to go to a movie theater yeah because you know you think about i mean i remember when i was a kid and everybody was still young enough to do this you know the cousins who were old enough to drive they wanted to split off from all the parents so everybody just loaded up and went to the movies yeah yeah and that's what we did too especially like um like after thing um during thanksgiving i say sometimes like if we ate earlier enough Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like after we were done eating, we would all go to yeah. movies and see a film, and then come back home and just chill. Yeah. And kind of even, you know how you do you you eat dessert or you fix another light plate, yeah, and you'll just eat. <laughs> like that's literally was our like custom yeah. for like yeah. Thanksgiving. I, I I remember like going to Iowa one year, and we all ended up going to the theater, and my older cousins there like they literally put all of the sweets like all of the desserts <laughs> yeah. onto a plate put a tinfoil over gave it to me because i was the youngest mm-hmm. they were just like nobody's gonna mess with him so it was a way for me to go with them and then not participate in anything that they were doing because they were all you. so much older than me yeah so my brother was the one that they really wanted to get out of the house because he was at that ripe 
just going into his teenage years yeah. where they could like start corrupting him. Uh-huh. But I was a little bit too young, so they felt bad about it. Yeah. And so, but they gave me the plate and they were like, Scott, like just go out to the car. And I was like, okay, nobody questioned it because I had it. Yeah. And so also we had desserts that we were able to eat in the car Got on the you. way to the theater. Got you. Okay. And everybody just thought it was so cute that this little eight-year-old is walking around with this plate of desserts. <laughs> that so, he's carrying out. Yeah. The, so everybody was just like, aw. Yeah. And then like same thing when we show up to the movies, <laughs> I was able to just walk in with outside food because everybody was like, aw, that's so yeah. cute. <laughs> but like. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> That's funny. But um, jumping into our list, so we're actually going to start with two that we didn't get to watch. Yeah. Like, the, we, we just never got the time to no. actually fit in. Yeah. But um, We just thought they would be late like, honorable mentions, I guess. Yeah. And uh, there's still movies that I would recommend yeah. to watch. Me but as well. the first was one of your picks, which was School Ties. Yes. And released in 92 and directed by uh, Robert Mandel. And it had a, kind of an all-star cast. Yeah, it did. Because they all were young when they yeah. were in this film. I mean, some of the people that were that were actually like in this film is kind of crazy because it was like Matt Damon, Matt Damon. and Ben Affleck, Brendan Fraser, and Brendan Fraser, yeah. Cole Hauser. Like yeah. it was, it was like so many different guys yeah. from like the early nineties yeah. that was in this film. Yeah. So it okay. So the story takes place during the fall. It was autumn. They were he, uh, Brendan Fraser came from a kind of like pro- impoverished like background, so his parents did not make a lot of money. They were not well off, but he was uh, he got an actual academic scholarship to attend um, this prestigious like high school. Um, and he's not only that to mention, but his family is also Jewish. So because his family is also Jewish. You know, he actually even had to hide, yeah, like his nationality. Like his, he had to hide who he was. Yeah, because of the time period. And because yes, because of the time period. So I will say that. Um, let me make sure you guys that I'm like giving you guys like the <laughs> right because I, you know, you know how that goes. I really want to give them, yeah, absolutely. kind of the like right time period. Um, that this was kind of made. Okay, so it was. Um, it's, it took place in 1955. So in 1955, you know, he was a, a working class Jewish boy and his family did not make a lot of money yeah. and they were Jewish, but he got an academic scholarship. Yeah. Like his last like year or two of high school, he got a scholarship to actually attend this prestigious boarding school on um, Massachusetts prep school. Mm-hmm. So when he gets there, of course, there's these wealthy, rich kids like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck yeah. and Cole Hauser and all these guys. Or even even Anthony Rapp, I think, was in this one yeah, as well. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, and kind of funny, a couple of the days and confused guys. Yeah, it was a together. few. That's why yeah. I was like, that's kind of like awesome that it was like all these like people in it. Because I was like, what? So, and I hadn't seen this one. I think I did see this early in life. I will say that. I think yeah. I saw this like, 
when I was like young and it used to come on TBS all the yeah. time but I didn't understand it until I got a lot older in yeah. my teenage years and that's when I started loving it and then I kind of bought the DVD because yeah. it was just a it was such a beautiful story to tell and yeah. so he actually wore the Star of David yeah. around his uh, neck like as a necklace it was yeah. a pendant and he used to have to like hide it in his clothes or take it off and hide it in his sock drawer in his underwear drawer yeah. so that they wouldn't know that he was Jewish because Actually, it was so sad, but the kids there, like all the boys there, because it was an all-boy prep school, and all the boys there used to actually make a lot of very anti-Semitic jokes. They used to make a a lot of anti-Semitic jokes. So therefore, he always felt weird and awkward, so he used to have to hide his heritage, basically. (laughs) So it was kind of really bad. One of the things that I I didn't really think about until just now was Mm -hmm. that a movie that we actually watched last year. Yeah share so many thematic similarities with this that? one that it would be a great double feature was Armageddon time. Oh, well, you're right. Cause the, there were so many thematic similarities between those two movies. It'll make for a great double feature. Okay. And you know what? And so maybe we, I mean, we're just mentioning it cause yeah. we didn't get a chance to watch it, but we, I still know that we still yeah. know of yeah. school ties. We know the film because I've seen it so much in the past that, I'm literally telling you guys this from, from like, looking at nothing. <laughs> like, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I can tell you from looking yeah. at nothing just because I used to watch it so much that it's, like, imprinted in my brain. Yeah. But, um, so he goes to this prep school and is doing the fall, the autumn, where he starts. And he gets to uh, play on the football team as well. So that was one of the part major kind of, like, plots of the story is that he actually got to... Um, play on the football team. And then he got a lot of girls from the other all girls prep school that how they had dances and stuff and they intermingled. But then what was so unfortunate that he even had to hide this, but even more unfortunate is one day someone finds out that he is actually Jewish and all of a sudden he's an outcast. Yeah. Like for the rest of the school year, he has to spend most of his time like studying alone, being alone. Yeah. Um, you remember his roommate? I think didn't even really. No, he his roommate come. was really the only one that still didn't really treat yeah. him too bad. Because I think his roommate actually we forgot to mention him, uh, Chris O'Donnell. Oh, I think that was his right. roommate. Yeah. yeah. I so all about that. I think he's the only one that didn't like shun him. Yeah. He was yeah. literally. He, I literally think he was like literally the only one that didn't shun him was his roommate, which was Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. So that's usually really the only person he still really had to talk to yeah. and kind of. But he, for the most of the part, like I say, the first what 20 30 minutes of the movie he was okay with guys and then for the rest of the film he was an outcast yeah and then the worst of it that's not even the worst of it so after they (laughs) shun him right he has this major quiz or test at the end of the year and someone ends up cheating on their test and they blame him for it they accuse him of being the one that cheated on the test even though it was not him yeah but, but just because he was Jewish and they were just like, what did they say? You remember they had a specific... Yeah, they did. And I can't... It's been so long since I've seen this movie. Yeah, they were just like, because yeah. Jews do this. They're, they're, yeah. they're something. Like, he, they said the most worst stereotype yeah, you did. can ever yeah. say about a Jewish person. They yeah. was like, you guys lying still anyway or something like that. Yeah. Or you cheat everybody or something they were saying. Yeah. So they literally... It was essentially like their version of that time of, you know, like what you hear... They say about a lot of African American or Black people and, nowadays too. And honestly. also, like what you've been hearing a lot recently, which is quite unfortunate about you know, like you know, which South Park parried beautifully recently about you know, like the Jews owning 
all of oh, Hollywood yeah. or in the entertainment industry and that whole entire thing that's been coming up yeah, recently. Yeah, plus is, what's happened over in the Middle East and stuff yeah. like that. So it's really funny that we're talking about this yeah. now when all those things are going on yeah. in Israel. So like it's kind of, it's it's yeah. almost fitting a yeah, little bit, is, you know, because uh, it's our way of talking about without getting too politically yeah, involved, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it was just, it was wrong all the way around. I don't yeah. care what nobody say, like, hate is wrong. I don't yeah. care what nationality, culture, ethnic, yeah. race, color you are. Yeah. Hate is wrong. But Racism they, is wrong i would say that clear yep. right now i don't care who what you are who yeah. you are what you look like it's wrong yeah. hate is wrong yep. no matter what hate <laughs> is wrong so i will yeah absolutely i will stay there yeah. and we'll be done with that yeah. but but yeah i think what, whatever they were saying to him in school time it was kind of like the the version of that era of that of yeah like, you know, kind of what you're hearing today yeah but yeah this is yeah, they did have, they said like a lot of really nasty yeah, stuff. Yeah, they use a lot of it, like yeah. those stereotypes and those, you know, that they usually use with uh, Jewish people to yeah. talk down on them. And yeah. it's very derogatory. Mm-hmm. And they used a lot of things. And he had, he, he had to basically get into a fight with a few of them. Yeah. Because Cole Hauser and Matt, and Matt, oh, let me tell you about <laughs> Matt Damon. He was actually the worst one because actually... A uh, spoiler alert, because this is such an old movie, yeah. I recommend you guys seeing it, but yeah. spoiler alert, it was Matt Damon. He was the cheater. I'm just going to say it. Matt Damon was the cheater, yeah. but he blamed it on Brendan Fraser. Yeah. He didn't like Brendan Fraser after he found out he was Jewish. Not only that, but he was really actually very jealous. There was jealousy and envy yeah. of Brendan Fraser because he got all the accolades. He was getting all the attention. He was great in football. And do you remember one time on the football field, Brendan Fraser, they had a, a specific move. And I think that, you know, Matt Damon was so bad. I'm sorry. I just have to say, I think he was so bad. His character was so bad that, like, I think they did a, uh, how do you say, kind of like a trick play. And he did not realize it, and it kind of left him looking like a joke. And Brendan Fraser became out the like yeah, man from yeah. that, like he was the one that held, like the one who won the game. Yeah. And not only that, but there was a female friend that Matt Damon's character was had known his whole life. Yeah. She went over. She was a part of the girls' prep school, like the really prestigious prep school. It was the all girls version of theirs. They had a dance, and his friend which was the girl, end up really liking Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah. But he he acted like, he had to put on so much of an act. That's what I love about this movie. Yeah. Like, Matt Damon had to, his character had to put on an act, remember? Because yeah. he was like, no, this, that's my girlfriend. But the girl was not actually no. his girlfriend because she actually admits <laughs> it to Brendan Fraser's character later. She yeah. was like, no, we are actually not dating. I don't know why he tells everybody that. We just known each other forever, but we are actually not in a relationship. Yeah. But he told everybody that that was his girlfriend, yeah. even yeah. though she was not. So not only did Brandon Fraser get the girl, but he was the star of their football team yep. and an all-around academic-like wonder. Yeah. So because of that, Matt Damon had a lot of already envy with him. Yeah. And yeah. because he already had a en- like envy for him, yeah. He actually ended up being the one that cheated. Yeah. And because he and then he ended up blaming it on Brendan Fraser. Yep. Because you remember they found the cheat sheet. Yeah. Somebody had dropped it and yep. you found it in the class. So that was a pretty interesting. I really like that story because there was a lot of dynamic to it. Even yeah. though it was very like, I have to say it was high school, it was dealing with real life issues. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Even though it was high school. It also, to me, brought us a perspective of what young kids deal with in school every day. Absolutely. But I think sometimes 
you think parents would know because they were once in school, but for some reason, it's almost like once they grow up and become an adult, it's like they forget yeah. how cruel and mean yeah. children can be mm-hmm. and young adults can be. Well, they almost become like the parents from Donnie Darko. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you know, I mean, of course, that's a very heightened version of it. That's very yeah. much through the eyes of a 16-year-old, like how their parents are. Yeah. But like... Yeah, it's like, the, but the general idea is there. That, but it's you know, like, they, it's almost like parents just forget. Yeah. But it's the, like, and, and you know what's so, what's so sad about that is that they witness themselves, like, seeing somebody go through a hard time, even if they weren't yeah. the ones being the bullies or hazing or yeah. um, having that hatred toward other people. You've seen it take place. So you yeah. know it exists. So it's sad to think that, like, parents go off and think that their children don't do these cruel things. They yeah. really do. I, like, I will not. I will never for a doubt think that my kids can't be that cruel. Yeah. Yeah. Will I ever make sure that they are not? Sure. I would do all yeah. I can to make sure yeah. they're not. Absolutely. But it like that doesn't mean that they're not yeah. being influenced by other kids and then they can be cruel. Yes, yeah. they can. They can Absolutely. be very cruel. Even with great, good parents, you can be cruel sometimes yeah. because it's about the influence that's around you. And that's what Steven said about this movie is that that also tell you that a lot of parents, to me, in my opinion, from this movie... It actually proved to me that a lot of parents talk very ill of other people and races and cultures yeah. around their children because how do you learn that hate? You got to learn that kind of hate. Yeah. Hate that kind of hate is not born in you. And you was, learn it. That was the thing that I was thought was really interesting is that, that I mean you know the other movie this one pairs pretty good with is Dead Poet Society, which yeah. almost kind of does the opposite thing in a way. You know, it's like school time is kind of the thing that I always thought was interesting about it is that the entire idea of you know you you end up having to go to school to unlearn the things that your parents did wrong yeah and you know that was kind of like you know part of the gist of some of what they were dealing with and sometimes it enhances it yeah and and like that's kind of what you see in the beginning you know it's like it's enhancing it for all of these kids and as the story goes on you see some of that breaking yeah it's breaking off and they they start to realize that so much of what they were fed was really fear it wasn't really understanding. No, it wasn't understanding. It was fearing. You're right. And it took, and sometimes all it takes is that one person. And I really yeah. think it took Robin Williams' character as the teacher yeah. to actually give yeah, him a whole, Dead yeah, yeah, in Dead yeah. Poets Society. It took yeah. Robin Williams, which he was the a professor, the yeah. teacher, and it took him to give them a whole nother mindset and point yeah. of view in order for them to change it. Yeah. And I think like, the cool, th- not cool thing, but I would yeah. say the interesting thing about school ties is that there was no teacher that did no, that. No, it wasn't. It was like the, the so the children themselves had to make a decision they, if they were going to be that way. And that's why I said that it's like it's almost kind of the opposite of what Dead Poets Society does, yeah. but with the same results. Yeah, you know, or similar results. Yeah, where you know you have these kids that are starting to actually have to figure out on their own. Yeah, that the things that they had at home are are very broken. Yeah, and you remember uh, Matt Damon's character i remember too his roommate ended up revealing at the end that it was matt damon yeah and so he stood up because he just thought it was so wrong he was just like even if this kid is jewish and i heard bad things this isn't right yeah just from a human point perspective this just isn't right yeah and his um roommate Matt Damon's uh, roommate ended up being the one to actually end up bringing out the truth because they were actually trying to get yeah. Brendan Fraser expelled. They were trying to get yeah. his character expelled from the school yeah. because 
No one wanted to step him, even though almost everybody knew that Matt Damon did it. Yeah. No one wanted to tell on him because that was their buddy and their yeah. friend. And you're Jewish, so you're on the outside yeah. of us, yeah. you know? And so it was very just sad and unfortunate. But what I loved at the end is that the, the and in stories like this, do you anybody really triumph? You know, I, I have to ask that because at the end, it was such a melancholy still. Yeah. Because you remember after Matt Damon got expelled and his roommate came out and told and he was expelled. Matt Damon's character was expelled. Yeah. And you know what he said to Brendan Fraser at the end? I remember he saw him walking and he was packing up his parents' car, his like his stuff, getting expelled from the school. And he was just like, even if I'm expelled, he said, because of my good name and who I am, he was like, I'll always make it. Yeah. He's like, you'll always be nothing. Yeah. And he just said this disgusting, disgusting yeah. stuff to Brendan Fraser at the very end. And I was like, so who, there was no triumph. If you really, it's just life. And if yeah. you really think about it, there was no triumph. Yeah. So it was just really, I don't know, but this was deep yeah. for me. I don't yeah. know. I like this story. That's why I said this it, is still one of my I mean, favorites. It's, it's one of the most interesting things because the two movies that we did not get to are the two that I think we're individually very passionate about. Yes. So it is kind of funny how it ended up working out. Like. Yes. So it was just really like, yeah, it was melancholy to me. It was no like, ah, yeah. no great ending. No, it was yeah. so just melancholy. And, and I think that that melancholy is something that carries through a lot of the films that we're about to talk about, yes. which is kind of interesting. Yeah. That it's like, that seems to be what is good that seems to be what the best movies about but this time. But some of them had a little too. silver lining, if I may say. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, there, there was, and even then, that, even with that silver lining, there was yeah. still a deep melancholy throughout no, it. No, there was. And so, I have like, to say. you know, that that is one of the interesting things. But there is one movie on this list that had that has no melancholy to it. Okay. And that was actually the movie that uh, was my pick that okay. we didn't get to, which was The Trouble with Harry. Yes. <laughs> this is a movie from 1955 with um, uh, Edmund Gwen, John Forsyth, and Shirley MacLaine, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. This movie is essentially, without giving too much away, yeah. in the tradition of Hitchcock having a MacGuffin yes. that will kind of give you like some inkling of a story. Mm -hmm. This is a movie about a group of people that live in a, this, this little village mm -hmm. and they, they wind up finding the, the corpse of this man named Harry. Okay. And the corpse is a MacGuffin for a romantic comedy. Okay. The movie does not become a murder mystery at all. <laughs> it becomes a just very sweet, very hilarious, uh, at times, almost bringing up baby-esque comedy. Okay. And there is, but it is all set during the fall. Okay. If you look up images of The Trouble with Harry, you know, just even on Google Images, you see these beautiful Technicolor yes. images yes. of the autumn. And I mean, even the poster or like the oh yeah, yeah it it is. It was like the unexpected from Hitchcock, and there's this very autumn and fall looking poster yeah so yeah and it's like the the especially because we'd watched a few uh movies in particular recently uh to catch a thief yep. you know, together just kind of looking at some older movies but together. we ain't gonna talk a lot about that because no. we're putting that in a whole category of all yeah. by itself <laughs> and, and uh you know just looking at some of those older movies i was like this was one that would slot in so nicely just because while a lot of these movies do have a melancholy most of the ones that we picked are very sweet yeah and yeah. this was a very sweet movie with a very very sweet Shirley MacLaine performance. Yeah. It's 
a little bit. It's even more sweet than her performance in the apartment. Yeah, because this one doesn't. I mean, it doesn't in the apartment the, she was. She's a little bit of a mess. She, well, so that's actually what I was gonna say. Is it? It takes as sweet as she as an individual is oh, in yeah. that character yeah, yeah. and in the way that she deals with Jack Lemon in the story. Oh yeah, okay. You know, I mean, it's just unfortunate that her and Jack Lemon are both essentially everybody else's shill. Yeah, you know that it's like they're just getting stepped on by everybody yeah. throughout the story. And that's what they did have in common. And you know, that's that kind of gallows Billy Wilder humor that the yeah. the two that are getting stepped on. Oh, ha ha! They're the two that get together. Yep. And, you know, like, that that was what was interesting to me about this one, is that, that takes all of that away, mm-hmm. and instead you just have the scenes where she's being really sweet, it's just that, yeah. through the whole movie. And it's fantastic. So that's <laughs> that's another one that we would, we're going to have to check out awesome. at some point. Because awesome. I was very, very excited to get to that one, but, like, it's okay, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to get to it on the next round. But then that brings us to our first, uh, of, like, the, the um actual list of movies yeah, that we watch. Yeah, and those are just like some of our recommendations. Yeah. Know? And so we actually we're kind of going like a little bit from I'm not gonna say least favorite to most favorite, but definitely from we're kind of ending with ones that we responded to the most. Yes, not only that, but I think they were the most fitting for our title. I Absolutely. think we're ending with the ones that were most fitting fitting because we wanted to end there. Yeah. I think they were on better notes to end. I so. think so too. Okay. And so we're, we started with When Harry Met Sally. Yes. From 1989. It was directed by Rob Reiner and written by Nora Ephron. And, uh, of course, stars Billy Crystal as Harry and Meg Ryan as Sally. And also features a, a very, very funny Carrie Fisher. Um, yeah. What, when, I mean, this is one of those movies that, like, it is constantly kind of looked at as a fall movie. Yeah, it is. It's... Funny but I mean, though, it we ends were... on. I mean, it ends on New Year's Eve. Yeah. But if you technically think about how what autumn really is of fall, the season yeah. of fall, you know that the season of fall actually like ends on December twenty third. Yeah. So technically, it's only a few days after the fall season. I, I think what's interesting though is that in terms of what makes it autumnal, yeah, so to speak, it's one scene. Of them walking through the Not park. Not true to me. Well, I'm, I'm talking about in terms of just visually. Oh, I guess visually. visually yeah, I like, guess. In terms of tone, it fit the entire thing that we were doing. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially the the melancholy streak. Yeah, and I even thread. say visually to a degree. The reason why I say not just tonally, but mm-hmm. I say visually to a degree too, because almost every time that they got together, um, Harry and Sally got together and met up. It, it felt like the fall. There was a couple times where it may have been another, like a, you know, like a, um, like a summer or, or spring. Yeah. But for the most part, it seemed like they tend to have reconnected and did a lot yeah. of things during the fall yeah, to like me. Loosely around that yeah. time, like between August and you know, yeah. whatever December. Yeah. So that's the reason why I still say, even visually, it's more of a fall movie. As I think well. like the main thing that I think about is you know, of course, the the famous poster. Yeah. Is them in the park? Yep. And it's all of the trees turning golden. Yes. And then there's that one scene yeah. of them walking through the park that the Which poster is, is taken such from. such a beautiful, Absolutely color gorgeous yeah. looking scene. 
But that's actually it. Other than that, everything is very winter or very summer. Like yeah. in terms of just visually, I, all the okay. trees are either green or it's. But you remember, very even winter. in the fall, in the beginning of fall, sometimes to a degree, it still oh, looks yeah. like summer. Absolutely. So summer, you know, like we say, like a lot of times, summer bleeds into fall, yeah. fall bleeds into winter, winter bleeds into spring. Yeah. So all those things are so connected. That I think they still visually gave. Yeah. That's the overall fall feeling to me. I think one of the things that makes it the like kind of fascinating is the fact that like a lot of times Because not you know, nothing in that that movie reminded me of like a truly scorching hot summer or anything. No, no. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like so to me, visually it was still a lot like fall and like it never gave me Yeah. Really not the feeling or the tone it never gave I, me. I think one of the things that, that struck me was the fact that like what I was for me personally when we started going through this I was actually looking for movies that actually did visually like capture mm -hmm. that little period of time when the season is changing, visually yeah. changing. And in my head, the way that I remember when Harry met Sally was that that was the whole movie. Okay. The scene in the park. Got you. I remember it being that the entire movie was like that. Yeah. And then we put it on it right from the beginning. Yeah. It's like everything is green and it's like the end of the summer because yeah. they're, you know, leaving school. Mm -hmm. So right in the beginning we're there and I was like, oh wait, I think I don't remember this movie yeah. as well as I thought that okay. I did. And this was kind of one of the movies that first got me thinking mm -hmm. about this idea. Like when we were talking about like potential ideas of what we could do instead of just doing like horror movies all month. Yeah. This was one of the ones I remember mentioning early on. You had mentioned School Ties. Yeah. And a couple of the other ones that we have on this mm -hmm. list. And then this was the only one that I was really able to immediately come up with was when Harry met yeah, Sally. Yeah, I remember. And <laughs> because you said you did think that it yeah, everything took place during the fall. It, in my head, it was much closer to what uh, one of our, our... Actually, it is our next movie. Yeah. It was much closer to that oh, one than you. what it actually is. Like, in my head, it was very, very yeah. close to the next movie okay. we're going to talk about than yes. what it actually is. But because I think Harry Met Sally, like, expanded yeah. over years because of them. It, it was years Yeah, years that of, it took different seasons yeah. on, you know? But it, that, that's why I said, I will say it again. It, like, it never truly fully no. reminded me of, like... No, it, it, it did Yeah, like yeah. a scorching hot summer the, or or totally it was yeah. it, it still felt like fall a lot. Like they were reigniting everything during the fall and Absolutely. Stuff like that. And I think that totally it still works as like a good movie to watch around this time of year. It because does. there is something very cozy about the movie. It is. There's also a, a cynicism to the movie that I forgot about. Yeah, it's, it it's is. a surprisingly cynical <laughs> it movie. Is. And then when you read the it kind of came out of Rob Reiner's own divorce. Yeah. And then Nora Ephron started doing interviews with people around the set about, you know, around the production offices about how they ended up getting married. Yeah. And she kind of wrote all that stuff in. And there's, between those two characters, there's a real cynicism. Yeah. To how they both feel about being with other people. Yeah. And you're just like, huh, I did not remember it yeah. being quite like this. Of course, the movie's most famous scene is Meg Ryan in the diner. Yeah, which is which was in the very beginning. Actually. Yeah, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny to me that um, people actually still go to that diner and ask to have what she's having. Yeah, like still people go there and do that. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a specific order. There, yeah, right? like, apparently you get like a BLT or something oh, if you ask for that's that. That's funny. That's crazy. And I assume so because if yeah. you can say that, and I assume it's, yeah. it's for a particular meal. Um, 
But it was like it, so. I remember this movie as one of those movies that like my parents watched this movie. Yeah, I remember this. This was just one of those movies that was always floating around. It was T- on TBS. TBS used to play it a lot. Like, yeah, because I think that's when I first saw it. Yeah, I didn't realize until later. Because I think at one point I might have rented it, or maybe somebody had it at their house, and I just yeah. put it on. I didn't really actually realize how R-rated the dialogue actually is oh, okay. from watching it on TV. I had always remembered it. It's funny because you watch it on TV, and it's almost kind of like um, irritatingly sweet yeah. because they clean it up so much. <laughs> yeah. And then you – because it seems like – especially, I think, through the eyes of a kid when you're not really 100% – really sure that dubbing is occurring yeah and that things are being taken out because yeah. there's not just a bleep yeah instead it's you know just they just dub the dialogue so it sounds like they said something else yeah and i think like one of the things like as a kid when you're watching that stuff it doesn't really quite compute mm-hmm. that that's happening so yeah some of the ways that they would say things to each other you're just kind of like yeah, it's almost irritatingly yeah. soft and sweet. Yeah. And then you see it uncut, and you're like, oh, wow. This movie kind of goes to some interesting places. Yeah. But um, is a funny thing that we've mentioned, I'm not going to count The Trouble with Harry, but two movies that actually were very successful at the box office. Yeah. They were just about people. Yeah. Which is also which there a There was a time in place, I know, that where that did take place. And it was very, like, it was successful for it to be just, like, no one had any superpowers. Nope, nobody no, flew. No one flew. No one, like... There was no genre convention. No one had it. webs coming out of their, like, hands. No, and, and, and it also wasn't... Um, I think it's one of the things that kind of, right now, has me kind of, like slightly in some ways irritated with horror too it wasn't also just constantly like a genre thing yeah you know right now it seems mm-hmm. like the only thing that can get made that isn't a tentpole thing yeah is a genre thing it has to be action it yeah has to be horror it has to be one of these proven tested genres the thing that's funny to me about romantic comedy is that a romantic comedy can be very successful within the u.s but it's just about people yeah it is it's gonna be it ju- but i think the reason you know it kind of went away is because there's no global market for it yeah but yeah not right now I, because not of right now. And the, how we've like overly um like saturated like a lot of like uh filmmaking yeah. with like a lot of superhero stuff and like we also like um like our comedies have never translated well, yeah. Anywhere else, which is usually the case, yeah. You know, it's like a lot of comedies don't translate very well to other cultures, yeah. You, you, it doesn't because the humor of that culture is very different, specific, and different. Yes, it you is. You know, because like the reality is, is that you're making to some degree or another in jokes, yeah. And yeah. you know, every great comedy has a great in joke with its audience, so. yeah. But um. Yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about this one going back to it? I mean, like you said, like it was good. Yeah. But it was like, oh, I you just kind of remember it being slightly different. Yeah. Still good, and I still will recommend people watching it. Yeah. Um, but I think if like if I really had to choose and change yeah. if it's meant to be in like the hunting for October yeah. like category for us, I would change it. Yeah. Like I think it was, should just be in like the rom com thing. Yeah. I think yeah. it should change out of autumn if I, I really had like. Yeah. Yeah, if I, I had to choose again. I agree 100%. Yeah. Like, because it is sort of, it is just sort of that movie. Yeah. But um, I think the one thing going back to it that I did not remember, because this is not just a constant rewatch for me. Yes. 
I did not realize until rewatching it this time how indebted this movie is to Woody Allen. Oh, and oh, okay. I was sitting there watching it, just going like, "Oh, this is almost kind of like Woody Allen light." Mm. And it is kind of. Okay. It made me like. I know that there is a lot of controversy around Woody Allen and everything, but I I still grew up with this movie, so they still hold a special mm-hmm. place for me. And in particular, Hannah and her sisters. Mm-hmm. It was a movie I was thinking about. Mm-hmm while I was watching mm-hmm. When Harry Met Sally. And I was like, and that is an autumnal, almost winter yeah. film. I was sitting there thinking about that movie going, huh, mm-hmm. almost a better pick for mm-hmm. an autumn movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, so that brings us to our next one, which was is a movie that I really love. And a movie that I did actually think... Uh, when Harry Met Sally was a lot closer to, which is Dan in Real Life. Yeah. And Dan in Real Life was one of the many amazing movies released in our last good movie year of 2007. Yeah. Directed by Peter Hedges and uh, written by Hedges and Pierce Gardner. And starring Steve Carell, Julia Binoche, Dane Cook, John Mahoney, Emily Blunt, Diane Weist, mm-hmm. which was great seeing Diane Weist show up as like the, always. the mom. Yes. Uh, Amy Ryan is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Wood is actually in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else was Allison in there? Peele, Allison Peel, Brittany Peele. Robertson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, of course, uh, Matthew Morris was in there. Oh, yep. yeah. Matthew the Morrison. Cop. Yeah. Yep. So it, it had kind of like a stacked cast. Yeah. Um, but this was another one. This was another movie that was actually relatively successful. Yeah. It was just a movie about people. Yeah. But I absolutely adore this movie, especially like every time that we get to go back to it. Yeah. This is one that I just really, really, really love watching. Yeah. It's definitely a movie you can't think too much no. about the about the mechanics of the story. Of course. You just got to kind of enjoy just, it. Yeah. You just have to go with it yeah. and just let it happen. Yeah. You just got to enjoy it. <laughs> and if you do, it's a very sweet movie. Yeah, it is sweet. <laughs> it is very sweet. <laughs> did you see this one in the theater when it came out? I'm trying to. Yes, I did. Yeah. I was like, I definitely saw this one in, in the theater. I ha- Like, yes, definitely. 100%. Yeah. Because I remember that's how I found out about it. And later I bought the DVD off of seeing it in the theater. So, yes, because I mean... I was trying to see. No, I was not working there at that time. I was about to say, was I even working there in a theater yeah. at the time? But I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't working I, there in that year. But I remember, like, my siblings, when they were in high school, they were working there. And we, we got to see a lot of free movies because of that. It's actually really funny because I did realize one day for no particular reason, I started looking at every movie year since 1994. Yeah. Because I would have been three going on four years old in 94. I started looking at every movie year since 1994 and figuring out what I saw in the theater. Yeah. And I did realize that in, aside from when I was working at the movie theater, 2007 was the year where I saw the most movies. Yeah. Theatrically in that one year. Yeah. And realized that some of those movies I would see two and three in a one go. Me too. Sometimes we did do double features as well. yeah, Yeah. Like the, and that was a year that was so exceptional. Yeah. That I realized that every movie I saw that year in the theater is a movie that I would still readily watch today, right. this being one of them. Yeah. And I think I may have seen this one kind of next to Michael Clayton. Okay. okay. But like, um, I can't remember for sure because I can't remember what the Michael Clayton release date was. But yeah. anyway, like, and then of course at that time, movies stayed in the theater for a little bit longer. Oh yeah, they did. You know, so it was Yeah, so you nice got to catch up on all. Yeah. yeah. And then like the theater, I remember our neighborhood theater that yeah. we grew up going to had like 24 theaters. Yeah, and so, you know, you would, and it wasn't really like now where 
you know, a major studio will buy out, yeah. you know, 20 of the 24 I mean, theaters. Yeah, and you're right. But there was a point where you, because there was 24 theaters, mm-hmm. like you could actually see like the same movie in four different theaters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they would take up four, like one movie would take up like four theaters. Yeah. But if you had like five movies at the same time and each took up one or two or four, like you got to see a lot. You did. That's why I was like, really, that's what I loved about. Yeah being in that neighborhood theater at that time. I mean, it was kind of wild because I was at the theater last night. Yes. And uh, I was looking at the marquees and the new Hunger Games was taking up. Oh. And it's the same theater. Yes. The same 24 screen theater. Mm-hmm. The new Hunger Games was taking up nine of the 24 theaters. Really? Nine? And I was looking at that and I was like. That's almost half. Yeah. And I was looking at that and I was like, that's kind of insane. Because. Yeah. When we were working there and before, mm-hmm. it was it just was never like that. No, it wasn't. Because you would have, and I think part of that is because it was all prints, right? So you yep. can only afford to send so many prints. Not only that, but we have to say it as well. There was a lot more different options coming there out were. at that time. Yeah. Like now our options are so limited that one movie will take up like nine theaters yeah. because our, our options are so and, limited. And you have studios now that will put all of their money into that one thing. Yeah. And then we'll go to theater channels and say you're either going to take this or we're not going to give you any more of our movies yeah. and theaters don't really have much of a choice but to do if it if they want to stay open and, and, yeah. and make a profit that's yeah. just what it is it just is what it is yeah. and it's very unfortunate yeah but i love dan in real life <laughs> <laughs> now to get to the movie <laughs> i love dan in real life <laughs> oh but yes i i love dan in real life too <laughs> yeah it's one of my favorite steve carell performances yeah uh Aside from his, you know, more... But it was a very understated one. Because the reason why I say understated, because think about his, how, like, crazy and wild and flamboyant his character was in The Office in that TV show. And then kind of, even in... In um, Anchorman. In Anchorman, and even in 40-year-old version. Even though he wasn't, like, wilding out there, that movie was so, like, like, wild in your... face that like even that was still noticeable to me this is one of his most like understated ones it is it's actually um it was funny because when we were watching this we had just seen a couple months ago we just rewatched the big short yeah yeah and i was watching him and dan in real life and Mm -hmm. i was like that this is probably the first moment where some of these filmmakers were watching him i mean i know adam mckay always Mm -hmm. you know with the big short, I know Adam McKay kind of always knew what he could do. Yes. So I'm sure that there was always that little part mm-hmm. of him that was like, oh, if I ever do something serious, I can just throw Corell in there. Yeah. But I get the feeling like a lot of very serious filmmakers who wanted to use him later, like the Bennett Millers of okay. the world, where, you know, he's yeah. suddenly in Foxcatcher. Fox yeah. Or, you know, even him in The Way, Way Back. I yeah. get the feeling like a lot of people saw Dan in real life and were like, oh, he can... He can do some things. Yeah. This guy is actually way more versatile yeah. than we've been giving him credit for. Yeah. And then, you know, he also did the other one, too, that I thought was very close to what he did in Dan in Real Life in his own way. The one with uh, Timmy Tim. Oh, uh, I think My Beautiful the beautiful Boy beautiful or boy. Oh, Beautiful Boy or yeah, something like that. Boy. Yeah, and he, you're you're right. It was His character in that was similar to the but, one in Dan in Real Life. I, we watched two movies with him recently, which is that one and, uh, I mean... Um, Big Short and uh, the other one that we watched, the uh, terrible, horrible, no good, bad. Oh day. yeah, he was good in that too. He was fantastic in that, and so his. I perf- forgot he was in, but he was. His performance in uh, that one, the terrible horrible, Alexander's Alexander, Alexander, t- and the terrible, horrible, horrible no, no good, good bad, bad day. Bad day. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> 
his performance in that one and his performance in Beautiful Boy both yeah. remind me a lot of what he also did in Dan in Real Life, which was kind of the first time that we really got to see him do that. Yeah. And which is, you know, he, he came in and he was just a single dad. Yeah. He was a single dad who was dealing with being very lonely. Yeah, because and very his lost. Wife, and yeah, died and wife died and he was he, left and with it was two even daughters. Three. <laughs> three daughters, yes. Yeah, he had like <laughs> that's what I was gonna emphasize that he had three daughters that he had to raise yeah. on his own without their mother. And two of them are teenagers. Yep. And one is and about to graduate. She was like 16, yeah, 17 years old. The other one was like fifteen. Yeah. yeah. So and then he had one that was only in like the third grade. Yeah. So, because you remember in the movie she kept mentioning, yeah. she was like, he, she was like, sometimes you're a a great dad, but a bad, no, a great uh, father, but a, a bad dad, a or terrible dad. a terrible dad. And he was like, who told you to say that? Who taught you that? And she was like, <laughs> I'm in the third, third grade. grade. I can, I can think, think of for myself. myself. <laughs> and then he was like, no, but who did you talk to? Kara? <laughs> because she's the one who really mouths off a lot. Yeah. So he was like, the Kara. And that's Brittany Robertson yeah. character. And she was like, who taught you that, Kara? Which one? Who told you that? And she was like, no, I'm in the third grade. I can think on my own. And by I can... the end of it, you have all, all three, three girls them. looking at everyone. She's in the, in the third, third grade. grade. She can think, think for herself. herself. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really, really cute and funny. It I was. love Dan in real life. I can always go it, back to that at some point. It also has um, one of the most irritating tropes in a movie to me, <laughs> if it's not done correctly, yes. is the meat cute. Oh, well, yeah, the, you're the right. The meat cue, if it is, it has to be executed to perfection yeah. for me to not get irritated with it. Got you. That's when I almost become like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, and you're and, just picking it. Oh, I will, I will just like pick it to death. Yeah. I will be like yeah. a Master Chef judge <laughs> and just pick it to death oh, no. because it will ruin the yeah. entire balance of the movie no, for me. You're right. If it's not done to perfection. Yeah. And for me and my taste, Dan in Real Life has it done to perfection where Juliette Binoche comes in yeah. and she thinks that he's working at the bookstore. Yeah. And he ends up actually helping her buy all of those books. Yeah. And she you know, says, I'm going to take all of them to a guy who actually works there comes up and says, do you need help? And she's like, I'm going to take all of these and uh, I want him to get the, the commission. commission. And yeah. the guy said, he doesn't work here. And she goes, well, I'm still going to take them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, she's like, you should. Yeah. He should. He <laughs> well, should. He should. Yeah, he yeah should it's work. like he just sold all of these yeah, books. Because she had like 10 and books. She did. And I was just like, that was a very beautiful. And then, of course, it goes from that to them sitting, having coffee and Co talking. Yeah, and close to the pier. And yeah. Like, he kind of tells his whole life story up to that yeah. point to her and, and i have to mention like that bookstore looked so beautiful i was indeed. like i actually would be a happy person if i worked out of that kind of bookstore for the rest yeah. of my life and i just opened that every day and had people come in yeah. i don't know something is so serene about like yeah. situations in different places like that to me like you know how like you're like yeah i know that i want to do more but like yeah maybe when i'm like 60 yeah I would not mind owning a bookstore yeah. and, and even having a little cafe in it. Yeah. But no, of course, not a chain like Barnes and Nobles or nothing. No, no, but having a little, a little cafe in it, yeah. in a bookstore, and having people just come, be able to sit, yeah. read, study, everything. And it's just mine. Yeah. And I go to work every day happy to. And guess what? You would find me at the counter reading books. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's that, where you would find me, yeah. like, at the counter reading That books. is, like, the most, like, to me, that's such a serene, yeah. like. That's kind of like how, like, you know, like, to me, like, the most serene way to go into just retire into something is just to own like a little like yeah. one theater like a one theater movie yeah, theater see, mine would be a book and just store. like be able to curate and so it's like that i too. just go like every evening yes <laughs> to make sure everybody's okay yes and, and those one are my those some of those some of the things either on i would have to say they're between two things they're either on my bucket list or they're there's they're 
part of something that I have a dream of doing when I get like yeah. older and I just don't want to like I'm good I've lived life my children are grown <laughs> yeah everything's okay it is peaceful here yeah and when I get to that place I was like I can see myself either owning a vineyard or owning a bookstore yeah like those my and you know what a theory is third but like my top two is either <laughs> owning a vineyard or own a bookstore. Yeah. And maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. That's what I'm going to say. It's like, great. You can just bottle your own wine mm-hmm. and work and have the bookstore. And then we can have wine tastings at the bookstore. And you can come in, pour yep. a glass. We can even, you can even buy like a, a glass, one yep. glass, and come read your book. Yep. And just sip on some wine while you read your book. Yep. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even mind, I, I don't mind that combination. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's awesome. I like it. <laughs> I like it. If there was more of that in Dan in real life, it would have been an even better film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it just tells you what movies can do to you. Yeah, it they, does. They're yeah. inspirational sometimes, yeah. so they remind you of something of, in your they soul. They do, yeah. And it's like, that was a that movie was very good at that all the way around because it also, it also kind of deals with that aspect of like the family dynamic where it's like, one of the things that I thought was very funny in that movie that I could really relate to is when he comes back home and, and Diane Weiss, like, is so excited to have him there. And she kind of mm-hmm. even, like, tucks him in, like, his first night there. He's yeah. a grown man yeah. with, you know, his three daughters. Yeah. And she even kind of, like, tucks him in. Yeah. And then the camera pulls back and he's in the basement next to the washing machine yeah. that she's just started. Yep. And, and she's like, have a good night. But then and he has turns to turns out the light while he's laying there listening. They're like, <laughs> the clothes tumble. Yeah. And I'm just, and like, that is a family dynamic that I can relate very closely to. Yeah. As, you know, like you kind of show back up and everybody's like, oh, we're so happy to have you here. Yeah. I'm just going to turn on the washing machine. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> just like, no, you're right. there's a certain level of comfort to the misery. Yeah. And that to me is like very funny how well they captured that. Yeah. That, that kind of thing where it's like there's a little bit of comfort with all of like the, the mm-hmm. misery. And I, I also love to like the uh, one of to me the funniest parts of the whole entire movie is also one of the most horrendous parts of the whole entire movie. Which and is what when is that? all of the brothers are singing oh. that horrible, horrible oh, song yeah. about the girl. And then Emily Blunt, Blunt walks in, in, and all of them just look like <laughs> they have they're... To sh- it's almost like they had to eat their own words. It, like, literally, <laughs> you were waiting for a plate to show up in their lap, and for them to just start po- shoveling yeah. words You had to eat, they really had to, it was a whole meal, because, like, they were like, pick face. Yeah. <laughs> what they said, oh, what's yeah. her name, was Ruth? Yeah, Ruth. Yeah, yeah like, pick they, face. They kept calling her pick yeah, face. Yeah, and they had, they was like, this little thing, you went to the yeah. market. <laughs> <laughs> this little piggy stayed home <laughs> and he said this little piggy yeah. had roast beef <laughs> this little piggy had none <laughs> and was, i was just like it's so it weird was, it was so awful oh and they just called her a pig face ruthie so it was just so really and then, bad like, and then when but she, when you, she showed up she was like the most gorgeous woman uh, ever yeah, she, she showed up and was just full-scale emily blunt yeah it was like mm. also very funny that you know, they ended up working together, and then he was also her husband's boss for how many years? Well, Steve Carell. Because and... uh, isn't she married to John <gasps> Yeah, Krasinski? she is married yeah. to John Krasinski, so, so that's so weird. I, very, I funny a... <laughs> I, very funny when I think about that he took uh, 
Jim's eventual wife out he on a date. Did. <laughs> I didn't even realize that until you on just said that. Date. I was like, what are you talking about? But you're talking about, yes, yeah. John Krasinski and Emily Bunt are married. Yeah. So yes, that is his wife. Very, very funny little like, <laughs> kind of side thing that I just realized. That's a yeah, huge that's why I was like, what are you yeah. talking about? Then I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't even like make that connection until yeah. you said it. <laughs> But yeah, so that was a really like I say like heartfelt family movie because Absolutely. you know Juliet Binoche's character actually oh, she's so good. She, yes. I mean, she's amazing in everything. But not was, only that, but she you know she met Dane Cook character first, which yeah, is uh, Steve Carell's brother. brother. It's yeah. his younger brother. She meets Dane Cook's character and they hit it off and they yeah. end up dating. And the whole time that um, Steve Carell Dan. The whole time that he's like really getting into this woman and, yeah. and seeing that they have so much in common while they were at the bookstore, he ends up like leaving to go back home. And then next thing you know, a few minutes later, she shows up and she's the exact woman that he had already fallen yeah. for. Yeah. Instead, she was dating his like younger brother, though. She was yeah. dating Dane Cook. And so they have to have this little private, like, I don't know these private moments throughout the whole, most of the whole film because they don't want anybody to know. But it's funny because she actually starts off and tells Steve Carell's character, like, I think we need to tell everybody that there's something there with us. Like, yeah. we actually... Yeah, and he tries to push it off. And then he goes, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. But then this whole time, it starts to become obvious to his entire family, especially the women in his family. You remember? Yeah. His mother brings it up. Dan, why, we, she brings it up. She yeah. says... She was like, um, or is it Weiss or Weiss? Uh, Diane Weiss. Okay, Weiss. She, um, she ends up, uh, she ends up bringing up to him. She said, you think no one notices. She said, stop being yeah. like that. She said, we see you. Yeah. And then his own daughter, Allison Pill character That was the one it. that I was thinking about when you yeah. mentioned it. That was the one, the first one that came yeah. to my mind was when she comes over, she's like, dad. Yeah, she's like, we see you flirting. She said, we all noticed. She said, because even a little sister, she said, yeah. even Sarah's asking why, like, you're flirting with, yeah, uh, what's his name's girlfriend? Why yeah. you're flirting with her? And he was like, no, no, no. She was like, stop it. Yeah. She was like, stop it. And then it was so sad though, because they underestimated him. Like, she was like, it's not like she has any interest in you anyway. Yeah. But the whole time, she actually did. She did all the way down to she actually got in the shower with him. Yep. Well, technically, <laughs> technically, you know, it was forced upon her. It was by it was. the by Allison Pills character. character. Yeah, because uh, like he was hiding. They were talking in the bathroom, and then he had to jump in the shower because all of a sudden the daughter wanted to come in the bathroom and have this personal talk with uh, with Juliette Binoche. Yeah, and before you know it, she was like, "Oh, the water's hot. Are you going to get in there? You need to get in there while it's hot because everybody's using the shower and it gets cold really yeah. easy." So basically, Allison Pills character forced her to get in the shower, even though like she never intended to like get in there. And then you remember she started to get in there with her clothes on, and she was like, "Oh no, your clothes are still on." So she had to then undress and get naked in the shower with yep. a fully dressed, wet yep. Steve Carell's character. So that yeah. was funny. That was like they had cute little moments and yeah, stuff, and did. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I it, it was it was such a like just wonderful movie to go back to. That mm -hmm. and then especially like this time of year, yeah, it's nice to go back to because it's one and it of, had the same tone. It, it, was, it was totally and so there. <clears throat> this was a movie that to me this was the first of the rest of the movies that we're going to talk about that does have that feeling of being like a warm and cozy fire to yes. some degree. Yes. And I was like, that's kind of a nice yeah, feeling with it a movie. It is. 
That's awesome. Okay. So our next movie that we're going to talk about is our first of two Gus Van Sant movies. Mm-hmm. And that is Finding Forrester. Yes. Written by Mark Rich. Uh, Mike Rich, I'm sorry. Uh, starring Sean Connery, F. Murray Abraham. Anna Paquin actually has a small part in there. Yeah. Uh, Buster Rhymes is in there. Rob Brown. Um, pretty uh, Michael Pitt also has a part in there. And of course, at the end, mm-hmm. how can we forget Matt Damon shows up? Uh, Does Matt Damon show up? Yeah, remember, he's the the uh, lawyer. He is. He but gives Rob Brown the... Which is weird yeah. because I think it was just an old to his character from another film. Uh, so, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, it was a yeah. old to his character from, like, there's, another film. There's actually, I think, something around that. Okay. Because I, I was like, you know what actually... I realized? I don't know for sure, but I just assumed it because yeah. of the way it went and ended. I thought it was from, like, Rainmaker or something. Just the way it was. It, I, it I think reminds... it's a little bit of a nod to Rainmaker. I think it's also a very, um, knowing and very, uh, a fun little nod to, uh, Goodwill Hunting. For him and Matt Damon. Like, oh, well, I, well, maybe so, but... I, I don't think that it's supposed to be the same character Okay, all, that's what's the weird part. I think that there's a, a humor in the collaborations that they've done together. Yeah. Between him showing up in Finding Forrester and then him eventually in Promised Land. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a humor of, okay. what if Will went this direction? Yeah. I think that's a little, like, that nudge could that be they true, do be, together. But that and, still would be weird that he he became a lawyer in Goodwill Hunting. I don't see that. I, I don't either. But, but he was one in Rainmaker. That's why yeah. I thought it was, like, an, a, a little nod to Rainmaker. And, and I think it was kind of, like, a little nod to, like, a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, think, <laughs> I think that uh, Gus Van Zandt is the person that Matt Damon will... Outside of maybe uh, Kevin Smith to some degree, mm-hmm. I think Gus Van Sant, I've noticed, is the filmmaker that Matt Damon seems to be the most playful with. Got you. Okay. In terms of repeat collaborations, yeah. he seems to be very, very playful yeah. with, you know, they seem to really enjoy kind of messing with yeah. some of the, the archetypal Matt Damon-isms out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All the way down to both of them showing up yeah. in uh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back yeah. together. Yeah. Him, Gus Van Sant, and uh, Ben Affleck yeah. all showing up together to shoot Goodwill Hunting 2 yeah. hunting season. That's so funny. <laughs> you're, you're so funny. <laughs> but, um, this one was your pick, and this was a, a movie that I really, really enjoyed. And I, I, I kind of forgot about the Salinger aspect of it. Yeah, that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Connery plays a character that is very much, in a lot of ways, based on J.D. Salinger. Yes, he's a reclusive author who's mm-hmm. written one really, really, really successful novel. Yep, and has kind of fell silent yep. ever since. And you have this kid that ends up coming and essentially kind of getting tutored by him in some yeah. ways to be a better writer. Yeah. Um, because he was a really um, intelligent kid. And extremely smart. It's almost a lot like school ties in sense that, of course, in that there was a little racism that was mentioned in it. But for the most part, it was about how he was a kid from the other side of the tracks, but he gets to go to this prep school, this kind of like that will prepare him for like college and great life. And he gets a scholarship there and um, he's really intelligent because they see that he was kind of not being challenged enough in his regular like school in the public system. So his counselor, his, uh, what you call school counselor and his principal thought it would be better that he actually attend a more challenging. And he hit like really high on like some test scores. Yeah, because they said his uh, test scores, his, 
his actual everyday work did not match his test scores. Yeah. So they were like, his everyday work was yeah. just mediocre grades. Yeah. But his test scores were so high that they were like, that just means that he's trying to fit in and he's not being challenged enough in school. Yeah. And then they, they really was just like, no, really, really he's doing is that he's just trying to fit in with his friends. So until he leaves that atmosphere of what his friends are and what they're doing, they was just like, he won't, he will never yeah. make it to his full of potential. So we think that he should leave and actually attend a school that's more challenging and actually will, I guess how you say, kind of grow him in his yeah. intelligence. And he won't actually have to feel bad like he's fitting in because he'll fit in with everybody at this prep school because yeah. everybody's smart. Yeah. Technically, I guess you're supposed to be. But yeah. nowadays, most schools like that, it doesn't mean you're smart. It just means you got money. I, so it, I mean, and, it's just funny though because you know, I noticed that a lot of movies during that time, yeah. they actually was just like go, because the learning curriculum was a lot more you know stringent and like yeah, it, it's a little it was, more it's more yeah, strict. It was closer to you know the entire idea was that we're paying for this prep school, which is closer to college than it is anything else. Yeah, but then the thing that you realize to me in watching a lot of these movies, yeah. is that the only kids that actually really get much of anything out of it are the ones that come in on scholarships. Yeah. Because the kids that are there just to be there. Oh, yeah. And they're like generational there or. It's just the exact same as what it is today. It's it's what it is to them because they don't get nothing out of it because they're already at a place where they're like, they don't need more. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So that's why I was like, so to me, those schools are mostly seem to be based on like money than it is actually academically being like great for you. Unless, like you said, they're based on scholarships and. And things like that for people who don't actually always have the money to yeah. go to those schools to get that kind of education. Yeah. So I do think education still plays a factor. I just think that it's not as big as, you know, you think it would be. I think it's yeah. more of the money aspect because yeah. it's so prestigious. It's, yeah. pre- it's prestigious. Yeah, prestigious. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so... Yeah. Jamal gets to go there, which yeah. is played by Ron Brown, Ron Brown. Yeah. and um, he meets uh, Anna Paquin, and her father is like part of on the school board, yeah. and then he goes in also for basketball because that's one of the things he loves to do, and he's really good at. So they puts him on, they put him on the basketball team, and yeah, he meets uh, William Forrester. He meets like an author, like you said, that mirrors most likely J.D. Salinger's life, and he's a recluse and. He starts learning how yeah. to really like write in literature and tell stories and and build on that something that he's already you know the character of Jamal is already good at, yeah. but like William Forster helps him to like build that more, yeah. and it's so beautiful because Rob Brown's character William, uh, Jamal also gives you know um, William uh, Forster played by. Uh, uh, you What's his a, name? Uh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah. You know, I was about to say it's a totally totally name. That's why I was like, oh, you I, I said James Bond. I'm I was, yeah, I was about to, yeah. I I remember him from James Bond, of course, but like I I was gonna say a whole other name, yeah. like just not it. Okay, but <laughs> Sean Connery and um he he plays William Forrester, and mm. then I think Jamal brings something to him as well. Yeah. I think he gives him life again. Yep. I think he makes him feel like, okay, like he, he starts to slowly bring him out of his cage and he no longer, there was a few moments in the movie where, you know, William Forrester would have these like panic attacks when he was outside, remember? And he took him to like a football game. That's my favorite scene. No, no, it was a baseball baseball game. game. Yeah. That's my favorite scene in the movie is when he takes him 
favorite sequence. Yeah. Is when he takes him out to the, starting with him in the apartment and Sean Connery trying to get ready. Yeah, and he's like, and, where are you taking me? He's like, you know, it's a surprise. Yeah, and then they go to the game, they get separated. Yep. And then, you know, he kind of has like this massive panic attack. Yeah. And then him taking him onto the field after the game is over yeah. and letting him stand out there. Yeah. And then them going back home and him saying, you know, that was like one of the most meaningful things. Yeah. And he was like, it's one of my best, best days ever. And then he was yeah. just like, but you remember he, I think he even asked him like, why did you do it? He was like, because it's your birthday. Yeah. Like he didn't even think that no one would even celebrate him in that yeah. way. And I thought that was beautiful as I well. I did too. Because like he, he wanted to be celebrated as a human being, not as an artist. Yeah. Because it, if when you're celebrated as an artist, it's one of the things I think is very interesting about the entire idea of the reclusive author is I think that there's kind of a few different levels to it. But I think the one that I've always understood is the kind of more Pinchonian one yeah. that I guess, you know, they, they kind of attribute to the William Forster character to some degree. Yeah. Of like, you know, somebody who very obviously made a very conscious effort to say, if I'm getting celebrated as an artist to you, then yeah. it, it's almost like I'm getting celebrated as like a one-trick pony. Yeah. For and my work and not for me. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I would like for somebody just to take me out for my yeah, birthday. Yeah, and just recognize me, and, and that's yeah, what Jamal did And not want to be my friend just because yeah. I'm a genius, yeah. so to speak. You yeah, know? so to speak. <laughs> because it's like, you know, I mean, it, when you're in that position, you don't see yourself that way. Yeah. You see yourself for all of your flaws I and mean, so, so some people do. And some people do. Those are people who usually are not actual geniuses. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> they, they might be very fortunate in how yeah. much they're able to own and control, but yeah. they're not actually. Geniuses, yeah. But like, you know, when you look at people that usually actually are, you know, I mean, there there is a certain amount of kind of uh, being very hard on yourself personally, yeah. to where you don't really always see that that side of things. It's somebody who knows that they're great at yes. what they do. Yes. But they're and they they even maybe are a little cocky about how great they are. Yeah. But. They also just want to be seen as just a normal person, not yeah. as, you know... And he just didn't even have family around. No. He had no one. Except his, like, lawyer and the guy that, yeah. um... I think that was his lawyer. The guy that would bring him, like, his socks and his food and his... It was, like, his assistant. Oh, it was his assistant. Yeah, he had this assistant yeah. that would bring him... Like, magazines and books yeah. and groceries and stuff every week. Because he didn't even go do his own grocery no. shopping. So that was like kind of wild, yeah. and um, Rob uh, Brown's character, William. I mean, uh, Rob Brown, Jamal. Yeah. I keep want to say William. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Jamal brought him out of that. Yeah, he did. Out of that like cocoon. Yeah. And at, by the end of it, like William Forrester was able to travel again. Yeah. And then you know, unfortunately, he passed away in his in his home country though. So that yeah. was really amazing that he got to go back to his home country. Yeah. One of uh, also many. Uh, incredible smarmy performances from F. Murray Abraham. Oh, yeah. That, oh, my goodness. <laughs> he annoyed me to death because he assumed that this kid was not as talented and as smart as he seemed to be on paper because yeah. you would read a story and be like, and it's, and that's why I said when you come back to it, even when I like talk about school ties, those storylines is that it's just these envious people. Yeah. It's, it's just from envy, just because you could never write like that and because you never, like, had the words to write like that. Like, yeah. you accuse this man of, like, plagiarism and 
all these things that weren't actually plagiarism. Yeah. You remember he said, yeah, I used the title, but he was like, those words are mine. He said, but it sounds very much like, you know, uh, yeah. already known author, but he didn't plagiarize any of yeah. it. He didn't plagiarize any of it. That was his own writing. Yeah, I mean, you, you do get the... Um... It just seems similar because that's his mentor. So it seems yeah. similar because that's his mentor. And I think that was what Forrester saw in him from the very beginning. Yeah. Okay, when he just found his bag and started going through all of his notebooks in his bag. Mm -hmm. I think what he saw in just the little scribblings that he had in there is he, you know, something very similar to himself. Yeah. And was like, you know, if this kid can actually hone these little, essentially limericks yeah. that he's just putting in, they really have no base in anything. Yeah. They're just, he thinks of words that fit well together. Yeah. And fits them together, just strings them together. Mm -hmm. But with really no through line. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, he's teaching him yeah how to have a through line yeah and that was one and of how to be disciplined really as well you remember because yep. he made him write and be on the typewriter and yeah. write every time he came over to see him so i think a part of that was discipline it was yeah. practice it takes practice to be that good yeah it does and he he put something and i didn't remember this being in the movie but it was one of the things that i remember learning about writing that really does actually work and help a lot which is um starting by by typing somebody else's stuff yeah you know, just typing out yeah. somebody else's words. And what eventually happens is as you're doing it and you fall into the rhythm of those words. You can then suddenly introduce your own. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start going like, well, I don't, why did they put a comma there? That doesn't make yeah. sense. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. So you put what you would put there. Yeah. You know, you put a period and you go like, no, this would be a new scene. I don't yeah. know. This would be a new chapter. Or yeah, this would you're be... right. And all of a sudden you start making that thing your own it's entirely the thing that you learn about it that's so beautiful is it's entirely for yourself yeah you're yeah. only doing this for you yeah. you're not doing this to be read yeah this is all just practice mm -hmm. you know you're gonna throw it out yeah but it is like a great lesson in writing that yeah. you know a lot of really great writers have done yeah so it was like kind of cool that they put that mm -hmm. in there because again mm -hmm. this is another movie that did very well it's just yeah. a movie about people yes but i couldn't even imagine a mid-budget Netflix movie right now actually taking the time to put a scene like that in there. Oh, you know, and that's what's so sad. Like, I think we're missing a lot of beautiful moments about people. Yeah. And you know what? That's making us so boring. <laughs> and I mean, a lot of these it shows, is. when I look at it, it I is. do. I'm like, I'm bored of your characters. There's no character development here. Yeah. And so you become so bored. So you know how I feel about it. There was a few shows that I've seen lately and I was like, there's like no character development. Yeah. There's no like little, you know, ticks or there's nothing that makes it their own, that yeah. makes them have their own unique identity nowadays. Everybody's just seeing the same. Yeah. It just feels like robots. It's, I'm watching robots. It, it, we have like definitely entered into a space where... I don't think that this is universal, but it's... It's not universal, but, like... It is kind a of... A lot of stuff that I really... That seems to be uh, popular now. Yeah. That a lot of people like. I'm it's just very like, homogenized right yeah, now. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know what you see, but I do not see the same thing. Yeah, I agree. Because it, it does have a very homogenized yeah, feel to and it it's right just, now. It feels so, like, there's no character... Like, yeah. I would say this more than anything. More than anything, there's no color... There's no true real character development yeah. in a lot of uh like characters nowadays in like films and stuff like yeah. tv is tv has stepped it up a lot so i've seen them yeah doing it more well than like movies lately yeah but even I that mean. there's still something missing 
I, I, I like yeah. character development. You, I'm like, you did not develop this well. It's just like yeah. you slapped them on the paper and said, let's go. Yeah, you kind of have to really, really wait for something to yeah. come out. And unfortunately, it feels like a lot of what we're getting lately has been from all of our masters, and they're all kind of up there. And they're getting up there. <laughs> so then your next question is like, who's going to take over? Yeah, it's, it's very nerve-wracking. Yeah, because <laughs> movies like Oppenheimer and... yeah. You know, because I mean, thankfully, flower moon. thankfully we have the the kind of younger veterans like Nolan and yeah. P.T. Anderson and all yeah. that who are doing their stuff. And yeah, I've heard amazing things about Priscilla. I haven't seen it yet, but we do have Sofia Coppola. Yeah, still. but they they and they have character development. They do. They actually have characters that are just something. pop. Yeah. Just pop. They pop. They're, they have a life outside. They have of the a screen. life. Thank yeah. you. They have a life yeah. actually. When everything else don't feel like they yeah. have a life, there's other things that just don't. I don't not. I don't feel it. Yeah. So I walk away very like detached, and and then that makes the movie or the show yeah. it makes it boring, and that's when I don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah, I agree because I I've been seeing that a lot. Lately. Yes, and honestly, if I'm honest, that's also what um that actually what lowers my int- attention span. Yeah, like when I watch stuff nowadays, what lowers my attention span is the things are so like bland. Yeah. Yeah. So now I just jump from place to place looking for like a good stuff because I have such a low attention span yeah. for like really bad. Yeah, I've I've gotten to where I give something fifteen minutes now. Yeah, I give it fifteen. And then minutes. I'm ready to change it. Yeah, and like if it if it hasn't hooked me at that fifteen to twenty, and it doesn't have to be anything that, I mean, like a movie that I saw recently that really hooked me in was a movie called Goodbye Dragon Inn. Mm-hmm. I, I had heard loosely about the director and another movie that he had done. This movie seemed really interesting. I mm-hmm. found it on the Internet Archive. It seemed right up my alley. Uh, nothing happens in that movie. There's wow. no... Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, it's literally about the last day of a movie theater yeah, showing yeah. a movie. Got you. Nothing happens in it, but there was something so hypnotic about the first five minutes yeah. that I was just... I was there. And, yeah. and I didn't leave. And you know, that's why I said... I feel like I'm on the... That's what I look for. Yes. And I feel like I'm on the opposite end or spectrum of like... Like that... The norm was the yeah. norm nowadays because you... You know, you start realizing a lot of the reasons why... We don't get a lot of amazing content. Well, let's just say interesting content um, with movies and TV shows is because people don't have the attention span to watch the really great things. Yeah. But it's actually opposite for me. I don't have the attention span to watch the really bad things. Yeah, I don't either. So my attention span increases when I watch really great things. Yeah. Because then I can watch it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and never stop. I I agree. Because... And we've had a couple of those recently. Yeah. They're very few and far between. Yeah. Right now. And we even have to go back to really good old oh, shows man. and movies. Yeah. Just because there's the good stuff is not good. Yeah. Or, or should I say the new stuff is not good? Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. To say. You have to really kind of weed out what is the good stuff. Yeah. Out what of the, the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's so much bad before you get to the good. Yeah. There is. There's a little bit too much bad. Yeah. But there is a silver lining. Yes. There is a silver lining. <laughs> and there yes, is there is. Also, a playbook. <laughs> Because our next movie is Silver Linings Playbook. Yes. <laughs> uh, from 2012. It was uh, adapted by David O. Russell from a book by Matthew Quick. And also directed by David O. Russell. It has an all-star cast. Bradley Cooper, who's got his new movie coming out yes. in like a week. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, Jackie Weaver, uh, Chris Tucker, Julia Stiles, Shea Wiggum, yes. John Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Is one of my favorite parts of John Ortiz and that's yeah. saying something because he's a Michael Mann guy <laughs> so I mean but I, I would put this up there with his uh, Miami Vice performance as one of my favorites yeah 
Um, we saw this in the theater together when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, we did. And uh, this is just one of those movies that since seeing it then, like, yeah. I, this is just one that I really, really love. And Yeah, but we like a lot of David Russell movies. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very funny because, you know, it's like I, he's one of those really difficult figures in Hollywood. Yeah. But, like, kind of like what I said about Woody Allen earlier, yeah. it's like, I also just kind of really like his movies, you yeah. know, like, it just is I what mean, it is. I mean, come on, you know? American Hustle. American Hustle I thought was really good. I mean, of course, the the ones that, to me, are the biggest deal were this one, Silver Lang's Playbook, The mm-hmm. Fighter, and, oh, the fighter and Flirting with Disaster. And Flirting with Disaster. <laughs> That's, like, one of my actually favorite, yeah. favorite is Flirting and with Disaster. Flirting with Disaster actually fits into the same category <laughs> yeah, It actually well. kind of does, because it was during the fall when that happened. Kind of winterish, fallish. Okay, yeah, yeah, into the fall. There. It yeah. was, it's fall into the winter. Yeah, because it was kind of, it, it starts off in a, very, but very, it actually depended on what place, what location area they was, was in. Yeah. Because when they went further up north, it was colder. Yeah, because it and started they, in New York. Yep, and it was and colder it's cold, there. but it, it looks kind of autumn. But you remember, I think they started from, um, where did they start from? Uh, the first place I think they went to was, what was it, Texas? Or was Yeah, it, but or where where to, did they live? They lived in uh, New York. Ca- oh, they lived in New York, but yeah. where they were didn't seem as cold as where further wherever they went. Do oh, you, get you know what I'm saying? Uh, because they first went to, so they go from New York to California. Okay. Because remember, that's when they do the, you know, they do the bump oh, and run yeah, in California. In California. <laughs> and <laughs> and <laughs> they rob you and take your car. <laughs> they bump you, you and they mutilate you, you and take, take your car. Your car. <laughs> But um, that was Patricia Arquette's yeah. line. And that, we love that line. By the uh, way. I, I mean, just that whole movie. Like, no, I'm not a little cracker. I'm not I'm a little cracker. cracker. <laughs> and you know, Josh Brolin. You know? <laughs> I know. And Josh Brolin's character was just amazing. Josh Brolin is <laughs> his character was amazing. The moment when they're in the restaurant, yeah. and he says. So where did you guys come down the whole circumcision thing? Because me, personally, I think a boy's penis should look just like his father's. Ah! And Ben Stiller just goes, okay, can he I have the baby? Back? Yeah. <laughs> he takes his baby back. Oh, and Richard Jenkins. Like, oh, man. Richard did... Jenkins was amazing. Yeah, they did awesome. It just, it just, I had an experience. <laughs> and I continue to have it. And it continues to evolve and grow in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Jenkins, every time he shows up in a comedy, I just get so warm and fuzzy. Yeah, because he knocks it out of the park. Oh, like home run. Like burn before reading. Burn after reading. Oh, burn after. I said burn before. <laughs> How you I, burn before reading? <laughs> well, the, the, the irony to me is that that title almost fits the movie's yeah. characters No, you're better. right. You're right. Burn after reading. And uh, I love him and Step Brothers. Step Brothers. He's amazing. Yes. I loved in uh, Burn After Reading, uh, you know, him pulling out the um, uh, picture of him as a Greek Orthodox priest. Yep, that yep. was just like one of the funniest things. Bizarre. Things. And then bizarre. Him, you know, I do not think that you are fit for hard bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, in uh, Step Brothers, one of my, a, a line that I still think about every once in a while is him just, and so my dad said, son, you just got to stop being a dinosaur for now and go to school. Yeah. But he didn't really say that. What he really said is, son, stop acting like a fucking child. Yeah. <laughs> Grow up and get a job. Grow up and get a job. 
was one of the funniest yeah. things. Mine's is always in the middle, but it has too much cursing in for the, me to say. But the, I, my favorite uh, one is in the yeah, middle. Yeah, uh, you wrecked my boat, you fucking girls. Yes, yeah. that one. I was like, that's my favorite one. He was like, you're a fail. Yes. <laughs> I love that whole yeah. sequence right there. I love that whole entire one. Because you remember once he see his boat being smashed, he was like, ah, ah. And you hear him like yeah. doing those funny little sounds yeah. in the background. <laughs> He told me that he was going to join the family business. Richard, you're a medical doctor. I know. I've told, I've told him. him. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. It, it also resulted, him being in that movie resulted in uh, Will Ferrell getting one of the best lines ever, which is, uh, I got high with Johnny Hopkins. Yeah, you don't know no, anybody named Johnny, Johnny Hopkins. Hopkins. <laughs> the Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, we just kind of went down the rabbit hole on that one. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, this is one of those movies that I, every single time I see this movie, I'm just kind of blown away by the way that they kind of put this movie together. Yeah. Like, there's something about this one that was And that special. was actually the first time that I noticed, like, truly noticed Bradley Cooper yeah. as an actor, really. And I mean, like, I've noticed him in other stuff, but he was kind of always, like... Just the attractive... Yeah, the attractive guy. guy. But yeah. this one, it really brought a whole nother yeah. dynamic that actually was like, no, he can act. And yeah. that's what I liked about yeah. this film. And it, it's it's cool that he he and David O. Russell partnered up, and you know David O. Russell really really let he's let a couple of actors shine in kind of different ways than normal. Yeah. One of which being, you know, uh, Bradley Cooper. The other one, I think, being Christian Bale. Yeah. And then also Ooh, yes. Mark Wahlberg, because yes. you know Wahlberg. When you look at the three performances that he gave for David O. Russell. Three Kings to I Heart yep. Huckabees to The yes, Fighter. Those right. are three very, very, very totally different, different things from anything yes, else that he's ever done. You know, right. it's like Three Kings is probably the thing that's maybe the closest to the other, to stuff, he's other done. stuff he's done. Yeah. But I would even argue that The Fighter is pretty far away just by nature oh, of the yeah. fact that his character is kind of like the character that has the like such a small voice he does. in the story. Like he, he does. Because you know really, he talks the least. He talks the least and he's so like throughout that whole movie he's tiptoeing around everybody. Yeah. Like he just doesn't want to hurt anybody's yes, feelings. He's the soft guy. He he's is. like he's so soft. he's such a teddy bear. But he can <laughs> you out like I know. <laughs> but, but he'll a, knock you out. Go <laughs> head body, head body. Oh <laughs> man. And I can honestly say I, I will say my favorite Standout person in that movie is definitely Christian Bale. No, Christian Bale, yeah. No doubt, dude. Though, no doubt. Yeah. I'm sorry. No doubt, dude. Because he does. He does a yeah. really amazing job. You know, there. I thought it was interesting because I saw some. I don't know how true this is. This is like you know, kind of just like whatever you know, internet stuff that I you know come across. Yeah. But apparently, at one time, Christian Bale was kind of loosely in talks to play the Pat Saltano role. Okay. In uh, Silver Linings. Okay. And I guess, like, kind of what, what happened was, like, Bradley Cooper came in and talked to David O. Russell about wanting to do the movie, and David yeah. O. Russell was like, I mean, I, I know you from... Like, Hangover. Yeah, like, from, you know, like, you know, that, or, like, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Like, he yeah. knew him as kind of being, like, this jock. Yep. You know, like, this, this like, really sexy jock. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, like... I mean, because it's what I saw, too. <laughs> I mean, I, that was kind of what he got typecast as. Yeah. That's kind of what David O. Russell knew him as and was just like, why why would you want to do this? And Bradley Cooper, 
is a fascinating actor to me because if you actually go back mm-hmm. on YouTube to old Inside the Actor Studio wow. with um, uh, James Lipton, yeah. every once in a while they would cut out to the audience and you would see this kid sitting on the front row with a notebook in his lap who was just like feverishly taking notes wow. and asking the best questions out of everybody yeah. out there. And it was Bradley Cooper. Wow. And That's a fun fact. Man. Like... That's an interesting fact. Yeah, it's like it's fascinating because you just saw this kid who was sitting there going like, "I am going to do this, and I'm going to be the best at it." Yeah, and that was like his whole thing. You could tell that's yeah. what he wanted. And what I thought was interesting was apparently he sat down with David O. Russell, mm-hmm. and he just kind of lost it a little bit. Like oh. David O. Russell was like, "I don't really know why you would want to do this movie." Yeah. And he was just like, you know, because like, I want to be an actor. Well, he, was, he apparently he just kind of like had like a brief little flip out and was just like, I mean, I gained all this weight and then I wanted to lose the weight. So I lost the weight and I did that. And I, and he yeah. became Pat oh. in front of David O. Russell, just talking about himself <laughs> oh, no. and just like how he just really felt like he was never going to get out of this box. Got you. And David O. Russell was just like, okay, that's Pat. Yeah. That guy right there who's so insecure. Mm-hmm. But look at this dude. Yeah. What does he have to be insecure about? about? And that became the story. Yeah. That's the thing that I love about this movie is that it's one of the few times where the really, really handsome guy in the movie yeah. is not like an impossible character. No. He is and so you know like what? fragile yes. and vulnerable. And when you see a little bit of that, it, it actually tones down the handsomeness. It does. Yeah. And all I see is the character Pat, like yeah. it actually tones down his Especially handsomeness. Especially when he, I mean, his eyes are still blue as hell. Like <laughs> you can't even. I'm sorry, like you just can't help but see. Yeah. I'm like, why can yeah. I see into your soul? He, he has fond eyes. So his, yeah, his eyes are just so like <laughs> he, blue, and like you're just like, why can I see into your soul he with those definitely eyes? Definitely has Henry fond eyes. Yes, yeah. but but like outside of that, like it toned it down. Yeah, Him being to me that character toned that handsomeness down. Especially when you see the whole bit with him. Uh, when he flips out with his parents and he's looking for the wedding video. Yeah. And that's the time when he, yeah. he flips out and he winds up Yeah, and it was late over. at night. It was like, yeah. yeah. He, he knocks his mom over mm-hmm. and he, it, his, him and De Niro gets on top of him. Yeah, but he wake up the whole out. neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and like, when that part comes up, you're just kind of like, oh. Yeah, and it, like, and you know what? It actually does remind me of, subtly of like, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in, yeah. in Killers of the Flower Moon because yeah. I was like, what I'm seeing you, who I see you be, yeah, is toning down your like handsomeness. Yeah, it is. It's to- yeah. like now I'm seeing more than just your looks. Like it's toning you down, yeah, and that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like I wasn't paying attention to. I was no. actually paying to the attention to him as an actor. Yeah. Like, and I wasn't in my head about, oh, he looks good. No, yeah. I was, like, paying attention to who he yeah. was becoming. And I think, like, one of the coolest things about well, Silver Linings in particular is that he and Jennifer Lawrence, without physically altering themselves at all, present these personalities that are so rough Yeah, that you're just kind of like, oh, boy. Yeah. These two are a mess. I mean, to me, and they just look like abstract paintings. They, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and you're watching them, you're just kind of like, oh boy, yeah. these two are an absolute mess. They're a mess. And but sometimes like, you they, know how abstract yeah. paintings all over the place, and you're like, I can't quite yeah, know where to make up, but it's beautiful at the same time. Yeah, they're like real, they're like living Jackson Pollock's. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's like, it, because, you know, for me, the scene with Jennifer Lawrence where she, you know, like grabs him outside the movie theater. Yeah. 
and then mm-hmm. she's you know just like I, I like I am alive and she's got that whole monologue mm-hmm. and then she just like throws him away and says like stop it you're harassing me and gets yeah. everybody to look at him mm-hmm. and then just turns around and goes like no no, no it's the kids they were messing with him yeah from that point on you're just kind of like why are you hanging yeah. out with this Tiffany yeah <laughs> Girl. <laughs> you just can't help it but to be yeah. like that and then but what i love about it is that by the time you get to the end yeah with them at the dance off yeah they are so beautiful yeah they are they, and it's just because you get to see those two characters mm-hmm. break out of their shell enough to do this thing yeah that is a mess mm-hmm. it is not a good yeah <laughs> performance it, it wasn't but it was more to what she said earlier, it was more alive yeah. than anything, anything else is, that they yeah. showed. And it's like, I tried. I just yeah. wanted to do something and have fun, and yeah. I tried. And they won the parlay. Yeah, and they won the parlay. <laughs> they, won it for, they won it for Robert De Niro. They won the parlay. <laughs> also, one of like De Niro's best recent performances. Yeah. I absolutely loved him in this movie. Me too, me too. And he, But you could tell also that's where Pat got it from because his oh yeah. dad had some of the same tics. He, he had this weird... He had these same obsessive, compulsive tics. He had a horrible temper where yeah, he had gotten kicked out of the... The, uh, the stadium. Uh, the stadium. So he could, no, yeah. he could no longer attend the games in person anymore. He, he was like... He had this horrible temper. He yeah. Had, I'm trying to... They were the Packers. Is that who they were? The no. Steelers. Nope. No, nope. who are they with? I can't remember. I thought but, they were um, Steelers. No, they weren't the Steelers. No, they weren't because that was uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, where, where were but, they at? Um, I keep forgetting where they were. Where Philadelphia were they? Eagles. Oh, the Phil- the, no, I thought that they was that team. They, oh, no, that was their yeah, team they, because that, they went against like the Cowboys and yeah, stuff. You remember they made the bet against the Cowboys. That's your team, isn't it, Randy? The yeah. Cowboys. That's America's team, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Eagles. It was the Eagles, yeah. Yes. And, um, yeah, I don't so, know. I was thinking of the Steelers for some reason. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking of. I, I'm not sure. Oh, because uh, the colors. Maybe it was the well, colors. Well, the, the Steelers colors are. Uh, I thought it was gold black. And black. Oh, and then the Eagles colors are black and green. Okay, so it was a yeah. little off for me. I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah. But um, and that's how you. I, mean, I don't know football like look, that. Not like I used all to. All in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, like uh, they, uh, uh, <clears throat> the whole thing with De Niro. In that movie, and he also he, him and Jackie Weaver are a great couple. Oh yeah, they're in awesome. This movie. But <laughs> yeah, like you know, you mentioned like him having the nasty temper and him having the same tics. Like yeah. the whole thing with him having to hold the handkerchief, yep. him having to move the remotes Mo- at a certain point yeah. in the game, and all the and it's all about the Eagles juju. Yeah, the Eagles. <laughs> and how like she came down and she said, "Why would you send a man to a game whose <laughs> whose motto is it's Excelsior? <laughs> Do you know what the official New York State model <laughs> motto is? Does anybody know Excelsior?" <laughs> so that was so funny. I like. I thought that was so awesome. That was actually one of my favorite scenes. Actually, yeah, I, I love that, and I also love uh, Shay Wiggum oh, coming yeah. in and just what you just lost your house. <laughs> I'm getting a new house. Yeah, he was. You a- lost your job. Yeah, my job is going great. You lost your wife. I'm about to get married. Why don't you stop talking about what you have that he doesn't, doesn't have? have? <laughs> yeah, but you could tell that his brother always, you could tell that his brother always tried to compete against yeah. him. And for once, he saw his brother down. So it's almost like he wanted to kick him yeah. while he's down. But you know what? It ended that quickly because yeah. you remember um, Pat, uh, Bradley Cooper's character, 
actually he doused that fire so quickly yeah, and that's how I, you like, knew <laughs> that he was starting to change because probably any time else he was smacked yeah he would have smacked because he was so yeah. vulnerable and yeah. you throw that in his face why that man is that vulnerable yeah. so and he was just like it's all love you remember what he yeah, said he said like, it's all it's number love it's yeah, all love for it, you brother it's like my friend Danny says, I got nothing Number to love for you, brother. brother. <laughs> yeah. And he just hugged him. And, I, and, and then his, yeah. and you could tell Shay William character was a little like, um, shocked, shocked yeah. that that's how he reacted because yeah. he wanted to get a rise out of him. And I was like, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. Kick the man while he's down. That's so yeah. unfortunate. But it, it, it actually ended right there. And that's what yeah, I love man. about it. It didn't stay going. It ended right there. Yeah. So I love that. I did too. I also, um, I forgot to mention him, but, um, Anupam Kerr, who played uh, Cliff, Cliff Patel, his doctor. Yes, was okay. Was also fantastic. Okay, awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, um, like, right before we move on to the next one, may I have to mention John Ortiz's best scene. <laughs> of, you know, <laughs> sometimes I go in the garage and I just start smashing shit. Yeah. Put on Metallica, Back of Death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> he is. But um, that then brings us into our second Gus Van Sant movie. Yes. Of the evening. Yep. 1997's Goodwill Hunting. Yes. Starring, uh, well, I guess, you know, we should start with, it's written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, it stars Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Stellan Skarsgård, who is amazing in the movie. Yes. I always forget about him being in there. Yeah. Mini Driver, Casey Affleck, Cole Hauser is back again. Um. This is like a really, really great film. Yes. And it is very, very easy to forget just how great this movie is. Yeah. But this is also one I cannot remember the first time I saw this movie. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I think I was like pre-teens or something. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I, a teenager, maybe pre-teen. It was something around there. I know that I definitely saw it on TV. Mm-hmm. But I cannot remember... If it was a rental, if it was yeah, like a movie, just channel. catching it on TV. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how I saw it on TV. Me either. But I, I know that's how I saw it for the first time. It's one of many movies that I saw with Robin Williams where oh, I was yeah. just like, mm-hmm. this guy is amazing. Blown away, yeah. Absolutely amazing. And then you go back and you watch it today and you're mm-hmm. just like, wow. Still, yeah. Wow. It has not lost its like no. spectacularness. No. <laughs> and, you know, like... One thing that I forgot about was seeing him go up against Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Stellan Skarsgård is this very, very professional, very kind of known actor who's done this very serious work in Mm -hmm. Denmark and in Sweden. It's unbelievable at breaking the waves and Mm -hmm. all these movies. And you're just like, he's got this gravitas to him. Yeah. We also know from knowing Stellan Skarsgård a little bit, in more recent years, that he's also very funny. Yeah. He's a very goofy dude. <laughs> and you see him and Robin Williams go toe-to-toe, and there's scenes where it, it's almost hard for him to keep up with Robin Williams. Oh. And I absolutely love that, just seeing yeah. Robin Williams come in there. And, you know, it's when they're in the bar. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're talking in the bar. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, he asks him a question about, like, you know, who was this person? Yeah. And he asked the bartender. And, and he's like, do you know who they are? And he was like, see? Because <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to prove a point to him. Yeah. Because he was trying to make him this, this like, big, like, yeah. famous, like, you know, intellectual. Yeah. Because that's what Stellan Skarsgård was naming. Yeah. And then Robin Williams counteract that with, 
Do you know boom, 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 boom? He was like, no. He was like, he's the man invented this. But guess what? You don't know him because he never stayed there. Yeah. He had a great downfall because all that pressure was too much yep. for him. So he was trying to make Stellan Skarsgård, like he was trying to give, like make a point. Yeah. Like you're trying to turn this man into something that he may not even want to be. Yeah. So that was the crazy thing about that. And I think one of the things that made it so cool was the fact that when you watch that scene, at certain points, you see Stellan Skarsgård just as an actor leaning in a little bit. Yeah. Kind of like really trying to make sure he's got his footing on the scene. Yeah. And just really like playing to his size over Robin Williams. He does that a lot throughout the movie. Yeah. Robin Williams was not a very tall guy. No. And Stellan Skarsgård is a very tall, very Swedish individual. Yeah. (laughs) And... You know, I thought it was so cool. You know, he's you see him like really leaning in, and you just see Robin Williams just sitting there, just yeah, stone still. Yeah, and you see this actor, and it played so well to the character, mm-hmm. so you could tell that he wasn't going to change it because no. it just worked so well with the character. You see this actor lose his footing a little bit with this guy that is probably between takes cracking jokes because yeah. that was the that was what you heard. Those were the yeah. stories about Robin Williams. Was yeah. that. All the way up until they called action, he would just be sitting there telling all of his jokes and doing all this <laughs> thing. And then all of a sudden they would call action and he would just emote. Yeah. And it would just be these beautiful sequences that he would do. And they'd be like, how is that the same guy? Yeah. It had to be so disorienting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. As an actor to be sitting across from yeah. this guy who was working double time to make everybody laugh. Yeah. And then the second they called action, he was a different person. Yeah. That had to be so disorienting yeah. to sit across from. Yeah. But I was like, it's amazing to me to watch that movie. Yeah, it is. Matt Damon, of course, is... He's amazing in that one. He is so... Well, honestly, he's been amazing in a lot. We've been going back to some of his films lately. And he was amazing in a lot. Like, yeah, he was. I can't even lie to you. He like, really was. The Martian was awesome. The Martian is a, a deeply... Oh, my goodness. I love Deeply that movie. undervalued movie. Man, I love that movie. I love The Martian. I do, too. And I love his character because you're with him. Majority yeah. of the time, it's pretty much a one-man show. It's a one-man show, and, and he does extraordinary with it. He does. He does. He really makes it his own. So that's why I was like, that. He I does. love that movie. And I, you know, one of the things about this movie I think is so interesting is that Damon, of course, is the one that walks away with the credit because yeah. he is Will Hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he gets to have the great line of you know. Yeah. Do you like apples? Yeah. I got a number. How do you like them apples? apples. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Ben Affleck is great as well because he is the amazing supportive character. Ben Affleck, in my opinion, has the best scene in the whole entire movie. Which is at the end when they're standing there having the beer. Yes. And he tells him about how every single day when I walk up to the door, I get a little sad. Yeah. Because I keep waiting to walk up to the door. And you're not there. And you're not there. Yeah. He's like, don't stay with us, like, losers. Like, you yeah. actually have the potential to yeah. do something great, and yet you're sticking it out here with us. Yep. And that scene is so good that it doesn't ruin the absurdity of the payoff. Oh, no, it doesn't. Because when you actually see the payoff, they just gave him a car. Yeah. And then he's still walking over to pick him up from work. And yeah. he's still just, like, not even paying attention to the fact the car is not there. Yeah. Like, it, it, he's still just... But... It doesn't even matter because yeah. that scene was so good yeah. that you're actually waiting. You're not waiting for the consistency of the payoff. You're waiting for the emotional payoff yep. of his character realizing that today's the day. Yeah, Will is not there yeah. anymore. Will is not there. Because remember at first he looks sad for two seconds. Yeah. And then he does this. Yeah. Where he just smiles. <laughs> yeah. And when he goes with the car, he was just like, where he is? And he was like, I don't know. He's not here. Yep. It was like, what? No, I don't know. He's not there. And yeah. I hear him saying it as he's getting into the car. And you remember his um, brother, Casey Affleck, jumps in the front. Yeah. 
or I think it was, yeah. Casey yeah. Affleck jumps in the front. Yeah. So. Shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, like, it was amazing. And then, you know, Minnie Driver shows up. She does very good oh, she's awesome, in, in the movie. And, yeah. You know, I felt so bad for her during their emotional fallout. Yeah. Because that was, that was a very rough yeah, <laughs> little stretch of the movie. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, this was just an amazing one. I, yeah. I love, like, going back to this one whenever yeah. we do, because every time we do, I'm always like, this is a really special movie that yeah. you just, it's easy to forget about it for some reason. It is. Because but... it's not a movie that stays at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. But whenever I do rewatch it, I'm like, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is unbelievable. No, you're right about that. But um, we have one final movie. Yes. Came... We spent so much time on the other ones that we're doing this one's a little faster, I noticed. I, I mean, also, like, I don't really have as much to say about Good Will yeah, Hunting out, outside just, of the fact that it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's just brilliant. <laughs> it is what it is. It's just amazing. But you're right. But we do have one final movie. Yes. Which came out in one of the other best years of movie history. Yes. 1999. Mm-hmm. And that's October Sky. Mm-hmm. It's a movie directed by Joe Johnston. It has another stellar all-star cast. Jake Gyllenhaal, Chris Cooper, Chris Owen, Laura Dern, William Lee Scott. Chad Lindbergh, Natalie Canterday, uh, Chris Ellis, uh, Elliot Baskin. I had a whole lot of people in here. This was a movie that I am I did actually get to see in the theater yeah. when it came out. I can't remember if I saw this one in the theater. I just remember that once I saw it, I loved it. Yeah. And I could not forget it until I wanted the, like, the DVD to own yeah. the DVD. So I, now I own it because I just realized, like, I was like, I never, I never, like, I don't. I just. I just didn't want to like forget it. Yeah. It made such an impact on me that I just didn't want to forget it. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely. Um, it was one of those movies that when I saw it, I remember seeing it in the theater. When I saw it there, I remember just kind of being like, I didn't know you could really tell a story like this. Like yeah. it was because I was so young. It was very mm-hmm. kind of interesting to see a movie that is very obviously made for. A family, mm-hmm. but it's an extremely adult yeah. movie yeah. that deals with kids. Yeah. I hadn't seen Stand by Me yet. I hadn't seen these okay. other movies that were very yes. open views of yeah. children. Yeah. So this is kind of the first one that I saw that mm-hmm. was a very unpolished view yeah. of children. Yeah, there were other things I saw that were that in retrospect, mm-hmm. but at the time they were just cool. Yeah, like I would actually say the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. It's a very unvarnished view of children. That's not really much of a kid's movie. Yeah, it's not. In the whole scene where he's hanging out with like the the young kids and mm-hmm. they walk at they are the uh, in the sewers with all the other shredder kids. Mm-hmm. They come up to him with the cigarettes and like, what do you prefer, regular or menthol? Yeah, and you're just like the back here. You're like, this was not <laughs> a kid's movie at all. At all. Yeah. And Casey Jones was scary when he yeah, first he showed was up. Definitely scary. <laughs> Who walks around with a hockey puck mask <laughs> and like the hockey stick around? <laughs> he, he showed up looking like Jason. Yeah, Jason. And then slowly he was just Elias Kataeus. He yeah. was creepy enough. Yeah. <laughs> when he wants to be. <laughs> That's funny. But um, but no, this was like just a really, really, really stellar movie yeah. that told a great story. Yes, it was beautiful. And, and this was more on the inspirational side. This was beautiful. And it was based on, a, you know. Based on a true story. A true very story. inspirational. Mm-hmm. And also tonally, completely and totally fits. Yeah. What we were talking about. But for autumn-like movies. Yeah. And, and that tone and visually and what it. And it's about the feeling. Yeah. And it brought a lot of that feeling. Yeah, it did. So I think this was the perfect 
hunt treasure yeah. for for October. It was. Yeah. This was my like definitely my favorite one. Yeah. In terms of the list that we put together mm-hmm. and what the list was supposed to be, this was my favorite one. Yeah. To me too. And you know, this was also <laughs> <laughs> This was like this one I can go back to like oh, yeah. all the time, time and time again. Me too. That's why I say it's one of my favorite movies. Like even though some people will say when they ask me and sometimes I name really off the movies, they're like, yeah. What? I'm like, No, you just haven't seen it. And if you haven't yeah. seen it then oh well. But it's yeah. like these are some of my favorite movies. The ones yeah. that you may not know are some of my favorite movies. Yeah. And this is one that definitely I think over time yeah. has gotten very lost. Yeah, it has. And you don't ever hear anything about this. No, like this is not, I mean, Joe Johnston is not a director who has really come up, yeah. you know, like very often. I mean, yeah. the other really big thing he did outside of this was Jurassic Park 3. Got you. Okay. You know, so I mean, he's not really somebody that I yeah. see brought up ever. Yeah. And this is not brought up as one of the great Jake Gyllenhaal performances. No, but it was so beautiful. It's not brought up in the conversation more yeah. during. It should be brought up in a conversation. It should be had by more people, which is the conversation about Chris Cooper. Yeah, Chris Cooper was amazing. Because he's on, he did he actually did two roles this year where he plays mm-hmm. the difficult dad that doesn't want to see his son's point of view. Because yeah. he did this one in American Beauty in the same Oh, he year. did. He did. So it's kind of funny to see, yeah. you know, both of them. Yeah. That's what I realized. I'm like, you're right, but... I mean, the dad in American Beauty had a whole other different issue. Oh, yeah. Way, Oh, way he had some other different issues. Yeah. That's all we're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was his own thing. Yeah. But he, in this one, it's very straightforward. It's yes. very much. It's actually very similar to Rudy. Yeah. Oh, yes. You're right. You know, like, yeah. which we covered. You know, it's, it's very similar to that one. That, you know, here's this guy who just doesn't get. Yeah. Literally, why are your head? Why is your head in the clouds? Yeah, yeah, yep. What, right. what is it with you and this whole rocket yeah. thing? Yeah, and this was somebody that didn't do amazing in school. No, and he ended up working for NASA. Yeah, if yeah. that's not like a beautiful, I mean, he, he sat like down and taught himself math, math just like just because he was that like passionate about yeah. building rockets. Yeah. And you remember there was this scene where he comes into class because you remember <laughs> he comes into class, and I think this was like. After he was he was in the mine or something yeah. like that, he was working he, in the mine. He'd been in the mines already. Yes, because his dad had got injured, so he took his dad place by working in the mines that his dad would go down to every day, and that was yeah. his dad job, and he was like a supervisor or manager. And then um, he go he go after he's like that it's your life, but it's not mine. So after he leaves the mine, him and his friend, which is I know I hate to say it because I don't remember his real name, but he was the Shermanator in yeah. the American Pie series. Yeah. Um, he's, he's actually in that, um, film as well in October Sky. So he actually goes with him and they look for what could have started the fire in the next town over. They thought it was one of their rockets that they had been experimenting with and it ended up being, um, what do you call those things? A flare from, um, an airplane and it being an airplane flare. So it was so funny because once they found it, he was able to give you the um, algorithm, the mathematic equation to what had happened to his rocket versus that aeronautical flare. Yeah. So it was so funny. Yeah. And the, you remember the principal tried to make fun of him and make him look stupid. Yep. He was like, oh, all of a sudden, outside of the codes, he's like, that's done more for you than school. So all of a yeah. sudden, you don't learn math. 
And he just put, it was like, burn. Yeah. You remember the Terminator was yeah. like, get him. Get him. Get him, Homer. He was like, because he hey, like. Chris Owen. That's his yeah, name. Chris Owen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's his name. Chris Owen. He was like, get him, Homer. Because yeah. like, he was basically had to put that teacher in his place. Yeah. Or should I say the principal? Because yeah. that was the principal. Yeah, of the principal. This. Yeah. And then after that, he became very proud of the boys. Yep. And they went to the fair, to the yeah, fair and over to, to another, fair. the science yeah. fair over in another town yeah. and they won. Yeah. So it was really awesome, man. It was so yeah, you, awesome. You even saw everybody come back together when one of their pieces were stolen from the fair. Yep. You and they him. worked together to get him that piece that yep. was stolen from his um, display. Yeah. So it was awesome. And Natalie Canterday is the mom. Oh, okay. That's She was yeah. amazing. She is amazing. Like, <laughs> there are two performances of hers that just melt my heart every single time. This one and Sling Blade. Oh, and Sling Blade. And in both of these, both of the movies. Yeah. She plays a very similar kind yeah. of, you know, very, very Southern Mom. Yep, woman. And, yeah, mom. You're right. And she's just amazing in both of those roles. Yeah. And, and this one in particular, I was just like, wow. Yes. Especially when um the union strike is going on. She just marches yep. right through everybody. Down to her husband's yeah. office. Yep. <laughs> just, and she was like, end it right now. Yeah. End it. She's like, end it or I'm leaving and you. I'm where, leaving you. Where are you gonna go? She's Myrtle Beach. And Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> and that was she was doing you know, she was a very yeah. Oh, beautiful artist. You remember she, she could was, draw. Yeah, she was a very so she good was painter. Yeah, she yeah. was a painter. So she was painting Myrtle Beach on her like kitchen like wall. Yeah. So I thought that was such a beautiful um like little small piece of yeah. the mom that you saw her doing, but it never expanded because and she it, was a mother. She ended up becoming a wife yeah. and a stay at home mother and she took care of her children, took care of her home, but she was a painter. Yeah. And it, what was interesting about it to me was that it you saw without them ever doing what you have a lot in movies now. And I mean, this has been a trend for, it's not like something that came up like in the last five years. It's been a trend. I feel like for since most of the kind of mid two thousands, but um, very subtly you see where Homer got everything. from. Yes. I, you see yes. the part of him that could actually just come up with an idea and, and put it down from his mom. And yeah. How she could, see something in her head and just start painting it. Yep. And then yeah. you saw from his dad, who was the leader of this union. Yeah. For the mines, you saw how he could lead these other kids. Yes. And you're just like, oh, this makes sense. This yeah. makes sense how he ended up actually doing all this. Yeah, stuff. so he had both of his parents like yeah. qualities and it was of it was so subtle if you don't pay attention to those things you're yeah. gonna miss it yeah and that's but why it was, it was so you remember i said it too i was like that's why it's so sad that his dad doesn't recognize he yeah. has so much of you inside him yeah like he has so much of you and you don't even recognize yeah. your own son why wouldn't he be this amazing yeah. like why and he's persistent like you are yep like you, you had to go down to that mine every day and yeah. have that kind of mentality. Yeah. Why wouldn't your son have it? Yeah. Why wouldn't he have it for something else that he loves? Yeah. So like that was the really beautiful moment in those stories. How you know sometimes you like the parents don't always even see themselves inside their kid, but I'm like, no, they're more like you than you seem to notice. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they're more like you than you know. Yeah, and then you know the the of course you have the very great emotional beat of. About Warner von Braun. Yeah. And you know, him like, well, now you got to meet your great hero. He's like, he won my hero. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, he's fine and all yeah. that. And he said, well, my hero was you. Yeah. It's always been you. Yeah. And he had to tell his dad that. So yeah. it was like, oh, it was a beautiful Yeah, movie. it was. It was very I beautiful. love that story. Yeah. Me too. It, this is just... <laughs> 
fantastic movie. All yeah, the way and then you also see the amazing character in his dad and Chris Cooper's character. Yeah. When you remember, he he has the he was like, if you lay one more hand on that boy, because one of his friends oh, was getting beat. That scene was amazing. yeah. One of his friends was getting like abused by his stepdad. Yeah. And Chris Cooper's character had to step in. Yeah. And he was just like, you ain't one more hand on him. Yeah. I promise you. Because he was like, if his dad was alive, like he would not accept you yeah. hitting his son like no, this. So he was like, he's one of the greatest men I ever knew. Like, yeah. And that's when you saw that true, beautiful character come out in his yeah. dad. But I think the minds hardened him a lot. Oh, but did. he had such a beautiful, and, like... And the mind also, like... It closed, you know, the mind closed his mind. It did. Because all he saw, look, he's darkness, everybody. Darkness. I mean, truly, that's all he saw. He had to be underground. He did. And his son dreamed of that. You remember when I made that? I was like, it's so weird how the dad had to live underground and that kind of like stumped out his dreams. But his son was always dreaming about the yeah, sky. About, yeah, leaving. Yeah, the, the, he was the all. Yes, <laughs> he was. He was looking yeah. toward the sky while you were still like stuck underground. Yeah, stuck yeah. underground. Let him fly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let him but fly. But it, it was like kind of amazing looking at their their dynamic and their relationship. Yeah, and how all which of it is kind really complicated and sometimes yeah. very difficult. So it's when I see things like that, I will say yes, I can pinpoint things. Out that you're you yeah. kind of want to like pick at like yeah. the carrots and stuff for but at the end of the day i feel like this was actually the one that i can say of all of the movies mm-hmm. that we watched this was the one that i didn't have any nitpicks with yeah no but and, i mean when i say nitpick i don't mean about flaws okay. i just mean about how his dad was like you kind of oh, want to get yeah, on his yeah. dad and you kind of yeah. want to yeah. you know do your yeah, point yeah. your finger be like uh-uh you yeah. but like when i when i really look back at it i was just like a lot of us have a very yeah complicated like just relationships with our like parents parents. so i don't know how i can like judge too harshly yeah because i had a i've i've had a i've had a complication complicated relationship with my dad as well like sometimes it was just complicated yeah it wasn't bad but sometimes it was just complicated yeah Yeah. you know it's one of those things where you're like that was one of those things that you look at and you go thankfully my relationship was never that kind of complicated yeah. or is that but it can, on it can, the surface but, but it can it can like show itself in other ways I was gonna you say know? but like simultaneously yeah you also watch that movie and go but I can relate yeah, but I can relate yeah. and that's how I was I, that, I honestly I was like it wasn't in this way yeah. my dad always encouraged me in my dreams yeah. but it was very complicated in yeah. other ways yeah so like yeah, yeah. you know I me. Mean? I think that like the, the easiest way that you can create that thing where we all have that difficulty is to show in a movie, it's very simplistic, but it works when it's done right. Yeah, it does. It's showing work. a parent trying to stamp out their child's dream. Yeah, because you didn't even you don't even know that they're like it was even sad too is that he didn't even know he was stamping it out. Yeah, he was just being practical. He was like, "This is what you yep. need to think about. My heads are not in the stars, yeah. so yours don't need to be either." Yeah, when what parents should be, I think, encouraging is to be better. Yeah. So if I want you to be better than me, why would I encourage you to take after the same things I've yeah, done? Yeah, and you know, it was one of the things I always really loved about how he ended up going down to the mines. Yeah. Remember, the brother was in college. Yeah. And no, he was going to college. He was about to go to college on a football scholarship, but he wasn't in college. Remember, and he, he was, was going. He was going to drop out. Yeah. And Homer instead was like, "No, you should go. I'm going down yeah. to the mine." Yeah. And when he ended up doing it i one of the things i always loved was that like there was just kind of this undercurrent i don't know if this really happened in real life you know in terms of with homer or whatever but there was kind of this undercurrent of almost like this is your one chance out and we all know you're coming back yeah so i'm going down yeah 
And it, it was almost kind of like in the back of Homer's mind. He was like, I'm going to find some way out of this. Yeah. But once you're done with those four years, you're coming back here. Yeah. So. And more than like, likely, that's probably the yeah. life his brother might have taken. He might have went to college and played football and then that yeah. was it. Yeah. He probably didn't turn professional and he yeah. probably came back home. Yeah. And, and worked in the mines just like his dad. But it yeah. never said it. So I don't want to just assume. Because that was based on real people. So I just don't want to yeah. assume that. So I, I don't know what happened to his brother. Yeah, I don't either. And like that. that. But in a story sense. In the sense of the it story seemed that like, was told in the movie. Yeah, that's what it seemed yeah, more, that, more likely to happen. That was what it kind of like inferred to me. Which I thought was very, very interesting from a character perspective. Yeah. That you have this guy who's so young. Yeah. That he's already able to see yeah. that stuff yeah. so clearly. Mm-hmm. But he was awful at school. That's one of those things that like anybody yeah, can relate that, to. You but know? you know how like, sometimes I, I love that. And you know what's so beautiful about that? I thought too, and this might be from my own personal experience that I I might have put into yeah. the story that had nothing to do with it. But like another part I saw, which I saw in myself a lot, was sometimes the people that underestimate you the most, like like to to your your like to them you're the underdog. Yeah. And to 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 them you're you might be the weakest link. Yeah. And it's so sad because certain people see that. So I think a lot of Homer's character in the family, it, it sometimes made him seem like a weaker link than his brother. Yeah. When he was actually stronger because yeah. I think another part of Homer taking on that responsibility of going down to the mines yeah. when his dad was hurt was like, yeah, it wasn't Homer thought process, yeah. but I think it was an overall story thought yeah. was, his brother would never be able to handle that. Yeah. I don't care what kind of strong he yeah. is, what kind of football player, he would have never no. been able to mentally handle yeah. what Homer had to do. Yeah. And that's what I really see in that yeah. story. Yeah. That's too. why he went down to the mines. Yeah. He's like, no, you focus on your football. I'll I'll take it. Yeah. Because he knew he was mentally strong enough to handle it. Yep. That's yep. what I mean. See, and so sometimes I was a little mind over matter. <laughs> hey. Sometimes about your mind. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Forget Absolutely. muscles. Forget you know all that yeah. brawn. Forget all of that stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it's about your mind. Yeah, absolutely. It's about your mental capabilities, man. Absolutely. So, and I think that his if I think his brother wouldn't have lasted more than a day down there. No, I don't think so either. But yeah. he was the football player. Yeah, yeah. It's always kind of funny to me. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But I'm he was like, mentally stronger. Yeah, I was. I don't know. Yeah, it was, that was yeah. a phenomenal movie. Yeah, I want to rewatch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly. Well, did you have anything else to add to this one? No, that was, I think I talked myself out today. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to tell like whole parts of the, and usually I don't do that too yeah. much, but I don't know why. I was yeah. just excited to kind of yeah, give this, you a little synopsis of this, this story. This was uh, one of the ones I think that we did that was kind of the most fun to go through. Yeah. Because this was just sort of, so like kind of off the cuff. Yeah, and it just, was. And it was also really hard. It was really hard, but rewarding at the end of the yeah, day. Was, and because yeah. it was so offbeat, I enjoy stuff like this. Yeah, me too. Because I'm such a weird and peculiar person. Why not choose weird and peculiar movies? You know because what I mean? I am strange and unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Another good fall movie for anyone yes. who wants a Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beetlejuice. <laughs> but yes, well, we will um, be back with another episode soon. Yes. And um, yeah. I guess uh, thank you for tuning in to the Film Cafeteria. I'm yes, Scott. And I'm Brittany. And we will see you next time. And happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah.